Hello and welcome to episode 201 of the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. This week, we're taking a break from our 1993 miniseries because it's tiring looking back, and I like to live in the now. Uh, by looking back at last year? By looking back <laughs> slightly more recently than 1993. Um, we're going to be looking back at the year of film 2021. It is our top 10 episode. Um, actually, you know, Manny, we always spend so much time before we come on air mm-hmm. planning every little thing out, making sure we get everything in order, that we have all the segments in order. Yep. And then we completely forgot to mention, uh, <laughs> we forgot to add to that list uh, that know. we should thank somebody who came on the show last week. Isn't that correct? <laughs> It is true, and we always forget about this, and I'm so glad you do. But the funny thing is, is that while I am very thankful mm-hmm. that uh, Michael Chardulo, a.k.a. Chards, uh, joined us for our monumental episode mm-hmm. 200, uh, reviewing True Romance, that was a lot of fun. Indeed. Uh, this is also the episode where I get very angry at him. Yeah. Because, spoiler alert, he once again did not submit a list yeah that's that's no surprise really so last year i think he did he submit a top seven last year no, or that was, was that that was after the adam. fact oh that was adam yeah yeah so oh, did I, he do one after the fact if i mm, I, I don't even know honestly fuck that guy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah chards uh th- thanks a lot for coming on man that was a lot of fun and no, you're right he did yeah after the fact <laughs> yeah he's making a he's vying for that top uh appearance top appearance number of all time uh, you know what? I think I'm probably going to prevent him from doing that since he doesn't fucking put the list in. Yeah, he's got to put in the effort. Fuck that Being guy. a member of this community is like being a member of a cult. It is. We're going to make you do stuff you're uncomfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in all honesty, uh, a, a big thank you. A big thank you. Sorry. I was, that was a thank you and a shout out at the same time. A big thank you to uh, to Mike for joining us uh, last week. It was, as always, a lot of fun having him on. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, as mentioned before... Today, uh, we get to celebrate us and uh, go through some of our past and future guest lists as well. Um, so it's going to be a great episode. Uh, Manny, the first thing I have on here is uh, is rules. Is that where we're starting off today? Yep. Okay, awesome. So a little breakdown of what we can expect when we do get to our top 10 lists. Um, as a reminder to everybody, these are our favorites. These are not necessarily the best movies mm-hmm. of 2021. This isn't the Oscars we're talking about here. These are the movies that Manny and I enjoyed the most. So we're going to alternate back and forth, uh, t- going from 10 to 1. Uh, so with this being uh, an odd year, <laughs> yeah, that is 2021. Uh, I am going to be going first. Yep. Uh, we alternate, we switch back and forth. Who goes first? This year, I'm going to be leading us off with my number ten. Then Manny will give his number ten, and then we'll go up the list to nine, to eight, to seven, and so forth. Um, in the likely event that yep. we share a movie, so if, for instance, I list off my number ten, uh, Manny may interrupt me before I can say anything further on the movie and just say hey this movie is also on my list and we will wait to discuss it until we arrive at it on manny's higher placement on the list um also worth noting that uh, these rankings may contradict our ratings out of five that we give on these movies um i may have a movie um rated as a three for instance uh higher on my list than something i rated as a four mm. the, the, these are you know sort of our rankings in retrospect with the entire year to think about these um also one last thing worth noting we will do our best to keep these reviews spoiler free as these are still 
relatively new movies, and some of you may not have had a chance to watch all of them. We're going to do our best to uh, keep things spoiler-free. Um, also worth mentioning, there may be some that we've already done episodes on, so uh, mm. you can you can also look forward to that. Uh, Manny, uh, did I miss anything, or is that pretty good? No, it's good. All right, I think, I think that's just about it. All right, before we dive into 2021, and if the... Uh... <laughs> If the microphone is picking up uh, my phone, it's ringing. It's my brother-in-law calling me, yeah. and I'm pretty sure I know why. He probably wants me to come help because he's got all of my nieces and nephews by himself. <laughs> so he's alone with two, he's alone with six kids right now. Listen, Manny, I know that family is important, but just think of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Think of the fans, yeah. the legions of fans. Yeah. Fuck you, Casey. <laughs> Um, But before we get into our uh, 2021 list, we're going to do a quick recap uh, and reassessment of our top movies of 2020. Being that uh, being that the year is 2020, so I guess I should go first. I guess you go first, sure. All right. (laughs) All right. So my last year's top 10 for 2020 were in ascending order. Number 10 was Mank. Nine, Tenet. Eight, Pieces of a Woman. Seven, The Sound of Metal. Six, Boy State. Five, Mangrove. Four, The Vast of Night. Three, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Two, Promising Young Woman. And my number one film was Palm Springs. Do you want me to give my revised top ten before you list yours? Why don't we just while it's fresh in people's minds? Okay. Actually, that makes perfect sense. So my new top ten goes like this. My My new number ten is The Old Guard. I love that movie. Oh, yeah. That's the one with Charlize, right? Yeah, I had such a good time with that movie, and I've watched it a couple times, so it's now making my top 10. Number nine, dropping down to number nine, is Sound of Metal. Mm-hmm. Fresh on the list, a fresh-faced newcomer who wasn't there before because I didn't get to see this movie until after we made our list is Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, I still haven't seen this. It's fucking unreal. Okay. Yeah. Moving up a couple spots, my appreciation for this movie continues to grow. And I bet you when I watch it again, it might even go up even higher. And that's Mank. Interesting. Yep. Okay. My number six is exactly the same. It is Boy State. Mm -hmm. My number five is exactly the same. It is Mangrove. My number four has changed. Now, it's dropped to four because I haven't rewatched it. Since we made this list. And that was my number two film, The Promising Young Woman. My number three is exactly the same, The Trial of Chicago 7. So jumping up to number two, The Vast of Night. From where? Four. Yeah. And my number one movie of 2020 remains Palm Springs. Cool. That's a that's a good revision. I'm, I bet you're happy with, with each of those. I, I, it's kind I of feel... weird reviewing these lists because we don't make a point of rewatching any of these. We've no, got much I... too much shit on the plate. I know. I, I really wanted to. As I was yeah. listening, I was as I was telling Sam, I re-listened to both the 2019 and 2020 top 10 episodes. I was listening to him like, I want to rewatch these movies. Yeah. I think we agreed that 2019 was a stronger year for film than 2020 was. Massively. But as far as our lists are concerned, the 2020 one is solid. Yeah. I think this is a really solid list. Yeah. When I look at the 2020 honorable mentions, I don't feel as strongly about them. I feel like they were pretty, they were pretty conclusive. Yeah. To not make the list. Awesome. Um, so uh, just as a refresher, my top 10 last year was, at the time, 
Number 10, Boy State. Mm-hmm. Number 9, The Vast of Night. Mm-hmm. Number 8, Promising Young Woman. Number 7, Soul. Number 6, The Invisible Man. Number 5, Sound of Metal. Number 4, Mangrove. Number 3, Travel to Chicago 7. Number 2, Dick Johnson is Dead. And number 1, Palm Springs. As far as I know, the only movie on that list that Manny had not seen and still has not seen is Dick Johnson is Dead. So, uh, you, you didn't mind up watching that movie, did you? No. Yeah. Good movie. Quality documentary. Before uh, you do a revised list, yeah. can I offer a, can I offer a prediction? Yes. I'm going to predict that Dick Johnson drops significantly. Significantly is the word. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's my prediction. That's the prediction. Um, I did quickly slap this together. So even this is not probably totally conclusive, but mm-hmm. I feel better about this list than I do about the one I just read to you. Okay. So we're going to go with this. Oh, I like that. Uh, number 10 is uh, having dropped a little bit. Again, having I've rewatched so few of these movies that it's entirely possible this list changes. Number 10, Promising Young Woman, having dropped two spots. Okay. Number nine, Boy's State, having been elevated a spot. That's uh, a movie I'd really like to rewatch, by the way. Me too. I remember our review of that was so for those who don't know Boys State, it's a documentary on Apple TV, um, and both of us were super impressed by how well the narrative is constructed, which mm-hmm. is something that's not really talked about in documentaries a whole lot. Uh, number eight, having dropped three spots as well, just like yours, uh, Sound of Metal. I, I don't know if yours was three spots, but it dropped significantly. Two spots, man. He's holding up a two. Um, number seven, another drop. The invisible, the Invisible Man moves down one. Number six, having moved down two, is Mangrove. Ooh, oh, I don't like it. <laughs> just just wait. Number five, having moved down two as well, Trial of the Chicago 7. I can't get my words to work correctly. Drops down. So just wait <clears throat> until you... So I, there's been a lot of dropping. Yeah. It's, it's because two movies have moved up quite substantially on the list. Um, one of which is number four, The Vast of Night, having moved up from number nine. Night, because I've watched that movie so many damn times, and it's it gets better every time. It's so good. It's really good. Especially when you consider the shoestring budget it was made on. 750K. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, number three, having moved down one. So not necessarily significant, but Dick Johnson is dead. Has, oh. has moved down. Interesting. Um... Could the Vast of Night be above it? Probably. But, <laughs> but we'll see. Number two, also having been elevated substantially, going from the number seven spot to the number two spot is Soul. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then number one, the king remains king. Palm Springs is not getting knocked off the perch. So with Soul, uh, I've just watched it a lot. I found myself going back to it a few times, yeah. and I actually have plans to rewatch it in the not-so-distant future. Um, I don't know. I My reasoning for listing it at number seven the first time, I just... I just was the ending. Is the ending. Like, having thought about it and having seen it a bunch of times, I do strongly still feel that my version of the ending is better. I, I really strongly feel that, and the ending that I think the writers actually wanted to do is that version, mm-hmm. without, without getting into spoilers here. Um... But the ending we get is, like, good. It's not, like, bad. It's, it's just not as good. Um, and the movie itself, including the score, which I re-listen to often. I re-listen to the score for Soul uh, very often. Um, I think it's great. So um, that's why Soul has gone up uh, quite a substantial amount. Again, ask me tomorrow. These could be in a different order again. But um, I don't know. I feel pretty good about this. And, yeah, Palm Springs is one of the other few, one of the other chosen few on this list that I have rewatched a couple of times. Um, and I feel very strongly that it's still the best movie made last year, <laughs> or in 2020, rather. Yeah. <coughs> hmm. I was just thinking right now, I should have taken the call on air. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would have been fun. It would have been fun. <laughs> All right, so those that's our, our quick recap of 2020. Mm-hmm. Let's get into part of the thing that Sam and I love, stats. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I All think, right. are, are we the only ones who like this? No, that... Chart says he likes it too. Okay, cool. We're like big stat heads, the two yeah. of us. We, we're fans of the world's most statistically nerdy sport, baseball. Yeah. We're just like big fan of stats in that, big fan of stats in our movies. Yeah. We, we got to include it If here. there's any listeners out there that don't like stats, I'm really sorry. Fast forward. Fast forward. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's just no way that we're not going to be throwing them in here. We got to include I, I it. I really apologize. Yeah. Part of it is our competitiveness, I think. Part yeah. of it's just like there's all these different metrics that we could like rank ourselves by and yeah. try to jockey for position here. All right. So the first question, Sam, how many 2021 films did you watch? So uh, I did not listen to our top of 2020 episodes in preparation for this like mm-hmm. you did however i think my number that i was reaching for was 30 i think That's i watched I, I think i watched i think i watched 15 uh last year or 18 something i think in my head the way it went is that i watched 15 and then i went i want to double it for next year okay that's that's kind of what i did did you make your goal i didn't oh i felt too shy oh yeah, which is pretty good. I think I said by the Oscars, though. So maybe, like, I actually have a really busy week coming up in the next couple of days for the first time ever, he said jokingly. Um, so I, I genuinely don't know if I'll have time to watch two 2021 movies before the Oscars. But if I do, uh, you know, I'll have made my goal. If not, pretty darn close, and I'm pretty happy with it, actually. You should be happy. 28 movies. All right. Yeah, and you crushed me, no doubt. My goal, <laughs> my goal last year was I want to watch more than the 34 I did in 2020. Mm-hmm. I knocked out 57. Yeah, you just fucking annihilated that goal. I'm pretty happy. I remember that. I remember you saying I want to watch more than 34. I'm like you're going to you're going to do that easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> easy. Uh I'm pretty happy. <clears throat> I'm pretty happy with my 57. But it might have come at a price. Mm-hmm. Sam, what's your average rating of the movies you watched? Yeah, in so this is the give and take with having watched more movies. Last year I don't think I watched a single 2020 movie that I ranked below three stars. I was very choosy about them. This this time around, I kind of watched what I could get my hands on, and it suffered a little bit. My average star rating was 3.2 stars. What? Which is pretty low. Holy fuck. Of all the movies that I watched. I thought mine was bad, because mine's 3.4. Oh, okay, yeah, mine's 3.2. I can't believe I beat you. Yeah, me neither. Wow. Yeah, I watched some dog shit movies this year, just you wait. <laughs> oh. when, we do our, when we do our Sampas, <laughs> we're going to... The, the worst picture category is going to be competitive. Oh, right. <laughs> I forgot. <clears throat> All right. So, 28 films. Did you give it any five stars? I did. Really? I did give out some fives. How many you got? I gave out four. Four? Four fives. That is a delightful amount. Yeah. Over under fives for me. Like, what am I... Do you think I gave out more or less fives? You gave out more fives than me. I did not. Whoa. I gave out three. Really? Yeah. Okay, I know one, and I know two. I don't think I know three. You don't know the third. Okay, I, I definitely know two. You don't You don't know the third. Okay. How many two stars did you give out? Uh, I gave out three twos. Three? Mm-hmm. Interesting. You have me beat on this. Yeah. Yeah, you gave out a lot of twos, eh? Ten. Ten twos. That's like a you you watch what fifty something fifty eight fifty eight so yeah nearly yeah over over a sixth of the movies that you watched two stars yeah I'm fully aware not happy Sammy boy 
your top 10 list. What's your average meta score? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, sorry. Oh, did you give out any one stars? Oh, I gave I gave out some ones. Fuck off. I gave out I gave out some ones, Manny. Holy shit. I skipped over that. You did because it's just kind of uh, tacked on. We don't usually have ones to give out. Like like I said last year, I didn't even give out any twos. I didn't give out any twos. I gave out three twos this year and uh Manny, uh do you have a prediction number of ones that I gave out? Holy fuck. If if I'm you're asking for a prediction, then that means it's more than one. You have five, five, f- four fives, three twos. So that's seven. That's a quarter of the films right there. Mm-hmm. You gave out three one stars. Manny, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> I wrote three ones this year. I watched three movies that I found irredeemably bad. I think you wrote them down. Yeah, I have them here. I think you should not reveal them. Okay. Because of... Because of future episodes. Because of And next, future considerations. Because of next week. I love it. Okay. Yeah, I'm keeping them close to the chest. Okay. Wow. I'm Three. excited. To- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The shitty part is if I want to be an asshole, I could just look. I'm like, I want to know what these yeah, are. Yeah, you could just you could just go on Letterboxd, but no. <laughs> I did avoid your letterbox. Yeah, I never check your letterbox for anything. Yeah. If I can at all help it. <clears throat> Obviously, I see what you've been watching each week. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes. Like it comes up on the main page, but. Yeah. All right, Sam. The competitive nature time. Yeah. Your average meta score of your top 10 list for 2021. So this is not the average meta score of all of the movies we watched. Nope. So those ones will not be taken into consideration on Correct. this. Um, average meta score of my top 10 was, uh, I, I, feel, I feel pretty good about this. 76.3. 76.3. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you've seen more of the Oscar movies than me though. So I don't really know. No, this is, yeah, but this is the meta score of the movies on our top 10. Yeah, but like there's a decent chance that uh no the mm, i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna hazard a guess that yours is higher all right uh you're over two it's lower really yeah it's 74.5 oh okay all right uh notable exemptions sam what movies didn't you get a chance to watch prior to making this list yeah so uh as mentioned manny's seen a few more of the oscar movies than me i'm currently missing three best picture nominees i'm not gonna be able to watch them all by the time the oscars come this week and i'm hoping to get one um so i haven't seen drive my car king richard and nightmare alley um king richard is the one i'm prioritizing on your recommendation manny thank you um other notables that i really wish i could have seen before the oscars and i'm still planning on seeing eventually but couldn't get done in time uh is flea those who wish me dead mass last night in soho being the ricardos ryan the last dragon tick tick boom <clears throat> Last night in Soho being on your novel exemptions is shocking. Yeah, because it's Edgar Wright. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I feel bad about that one. And I almost watched it the other night, uh, but I needed something shorter because I had, I had plans. Fair. <clears throat> My notable exemptions, uh, in no particular order, are movies. Uh, there's only one that I absolutely am going to try to see if I can watch before Sunday when the Oscars are cast, uh, and that's The Lost Daughter. Because there are two acting nominations in that Olivia film. Coleman and uh, somebody in the supporting. <laughs> no, Olivia Coleman. No, yeah, somebody in the supporting. What are we? Ninety fourth Oscars. Yeah. Let's see. <coughs> I can get that for you. Cool. The other uh, movies I wish I had seen were Red Rocket, Pig, Passing, The Worst Person in the World, and Benedetta. 
Yeah, Pig is another one that uh, when I mentioned I was looking for something shorter, I almost put on Pig, and I almost kind of wish that I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you get that nomination I'm missing from The Lost Daughter? Oh, yeah, I have it. Uh, best, it was Actress, right? Actress for Coleman. Supporting Actress. Yes, Lost Daughter, Jesse Buckley. Okay, there we go. All right, that gets us set up for our top 10 films of 2021. Sam, let's get this list started, my let's friend. Let's do it, Manny. I'm excited. Your number 10 film of the year is? My number 10 movie of 2021. Um, I wonder if this is going to be on yours. This is one that I've actually seen, I think, three times this year. Holy shitballs. Yeah, which is a lot for me. Uh, we actually covered it in an episode. Episode 165, we talked about Black Widow. Black Widow. Sam? That movie is on my list. And higher? And higher. Okay. Then we will hold off and you tell me your number 10. My number 10 film is a movie that I was excited and dreading to watch. And that is Mass. Uh, This was on my notable exemptions, so you may fire away. Written and directed by Fran Kranz, starring Jason Isaacs, Martha Plimpton, Anne Dowd, and Reed Burney. Has a Metascore of 81. Thank you. The plot, (laughs) aftermath of a violent tragedy that affects the lives of two couples in different ways. I'm noticing this trend. The IMDb plot synopsis are starting to get really fucking bad. Mm. Um, What this movie is about, there's no spoilers because it's not trying to be some type of surprise movie. This movie is about uh, a pair of parents. Um, one set of parents are the parents of a person, uh, a, a boy who died in a school shooting. The other set of parents are the parents of the person that perpetrated this school shooting. And it's set six years after the incident. And it's about these people trying to heal, move on and find closure and some answers. Uh, of this tragedy the reasons that this is my number 10 film number one slam dunk martha plimpton's performance in this movie is criminally overlooked by the academy she is heartbreakingly amazing in this film she has a moment that had me (coughs) weeping profusely she is an actress that i have enjoyed in a few in some of the movies she's been in she hasn't been in too many she's been in a lot she's a incredibly gifted working actress she just hasn't been a lot of high profile things jason isaac is an actor that i love every time he's in a movie i think he just makes it better now, arguably the best part of the Harry Potter franchise, I think, is what you... I don't know if you've argued that, but you've argued he's no, one of them, right? I like him, but uh. the best part is fucking Rickman. Yeah. Rickman. Okay, fair enough. Rickman yeah. all day. <laughs> Rickman, Rickman, yeah. and then Rickman, mm-hmm. and then maybe. But Jason Isaacs, um, he does a lot He does a lot of villainous turns in a lot of movies, but he's an actor I, I, I thoroughly enjoy. And his performance in here could challenge for a nomination he's got two incredible scenes 
uh, and he is just working it. And one of the many reasons that I cry mm -hmm. in this movie is because of his performance. Obviously, the subject matter is one that is very traumatizing for people that are anywhere related to this tragedy in real life. This isn't based on anything. This isn't based on a real story. Yeah, mass but shootings it, aren't real. No, I'm kidding. But, but, <laughs> but, it's, but it's based on things that sadly happen far too often. In some places more than others. In some places south of our border. <laughs> uh, so for anybody that's even tangentially related to this type of incident, I couldn't imagine being able to watch this. I have no connection to this kind of tragedy, and I was fucking devastated. Can can I make a comparison here? Yeah, this movie's this movie's devastation is last year's pieces of a woman for people who had been through miscarriages. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, this movie Mass uh, is really good. It's pretty much a one location. Like this could be a, a pretty good play. I don't know if you'd want to go. <laughs> I couldn't imagine that being very enjoyable, but the performances are the reason to watch this movie. I was, uh, it was highly recommended. I was so glad I watched it. I th think one day I might revisit this. I think I would probably watch this again at some point, but it, this movie is just so good. It had to be on my list. It's rewatchability is pretty low, similar to room mm. room bugs me more than this because it's got a kid right that you actually see this is about kids and you don't ever see them yeah thankfully they don't recreate what happened oh, God. i couldn't even imagine that like speaking of which <clears throat> i watched a movie a couple years ago i think it's called july 22nd it's about that I think. oh it's about the um is it norwegian norwegian the mass norwegian shooting. mass shooting of 66 some odd people yeah they recreate that in uh, harrowing detail. That's, uh, I don't it, know how I feel about that. It was riveting and horrifying at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, my number 10 film of the year, Mass. Sam, what is your number nine? Number nine for my second pick in a row uh, is a movie that we have talked about this year in an episode. Uh, episode 173, we discussed Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Nice pick. Not on my list. Yeah. Directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, written by Dave Callahan, Destin Daniel Cretton, starring Simu Liu, Aquafina, and Tony Leung, with a Metascore of 71. The plot, Shang-Chi, the master of weaponry-based kung fu, is forced to confront his past after being drawn into the Ten Rings organization. Uh, this movie benefits quite a lot, I think, as far as the MCU concerned is concerned, um, from being able to tread a lot of new ground. This is this has the task of introducing a Western audience to, uh, let's say, a less popular uh, Marvel character. Shang Chi is not somebody that even I mean, Manny is the most diehard Marvel comics fan I've ever met in my life, and uh, you say you were not super familiar with a lot of the Shang Chi lore the only thing i knew about shang chi um is that he was a master of kung fu and that's it yeah i i think what i it, it has now been several months since i've seen shang chi mm -hmm. but the thing that has really stuck with me from this movie uh is just how exceptionally good looking it is it is one yes. of the best looking movies that the mcu has 
ever released. As a matter of fact, uh, I won't mention the other one. I don't think it's on either of our lists, but two of the movies that the MCU released this year are probably the two best looking movies that they've ever released. Um, I'll let oh. you, I'll let you contemplate what the other one is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, wait. There's, uh, well, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. I'll let you, I'll let you mull that one over. Um, but regardless, Shang-Chi, uh, there's a couple of fight sequences in this movie that are just exceptional. Um, it really benefits from having somebody very athletic in the lead in Simu Liu. Um, by the way, speaking of introducing us to new things, uh, Simu Liu is not somebody that I... Uh, I'm familiar with as an actor. He was was he a, a TV actor prior to this? Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, a a big like a there was a he was on a pretty popular show. Oh god, what was it called? Yeah, I'll look it up. Yeah, but uh, he's not somebody that I had a lot of experience with, and I think he did an exceptional job in the lead. He was charismatic, he was funny, but he was also insanely athletic, and as a result, uh, the action in this movie looks spectacular, especially his fight scenes. Um, there is a fight that takes place in a skyscraper where the lighting is just chef's kiss gorgeous. One of the best lit scenes in, in MCU history. Um, there's also a standout action set piece on the, uh, in the bus sequence. Mm -hmm. The bus sequence right at the beginning of the movie is, is awesome. One of the best action scenes of the year. Um, the third act suffers to put it mildly. I have the words, this is a quote from my notes, and I'm not proud of this, but this, this is the mindset I was in when I wrote this. I used the words borderline stupid to to describe the third act, but that's that's not specific to this movie. I think both personally and generally, a lot of Marvel third acts can feel kind of cookie cutter. They can feel kind of the same, just have a bunch of people chasing after a glowy thing. Um, in this case, there's also stupid extra bullshit on top that makes it a little extra stupid, unfortunately. Um, but it's like it's it's still fine. It doesn't it does take down the enjoyment of the movie a little bit. But the first two acts of this movie really are quite good and quite good looking. So it still makes my list. Um, one person I haven't mentioned that I need to shout out, Tony Lee Young, is uh, Tony Leung. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Pretty Tony sure. Leung is incredible. As Zhu Wenwu, I think I'm saying that right. Mm -hmm. Apologies if I'm not. One of the best new MCU characters this year. Uh, a ton of fun. A great new character. Um, the, for those not really familiar with this movie, and again, you can go back and listen to episode 173 if you want more on this, uh, but basically, a lot of Shang-Chi's villains, one in particular, have some problems for reviving into a 2021 audience oh, let's oh, say okay from yeah his, from his comics yeah from yes. the comics yeah yes yes some of some of the comic villains for shang chi let's say haven't aged well so these writers essentially had the task and uh, really the privilege of creating a new villain yes. uh, that is not really in the comics certainly not in the form that he is in the movie and uh, tony leung as we learned in that episode is um a star like Saying he's a star, he's the star in uh, in Hong Kong cinema, as far as I know. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this, again, I'm trying to remember everything we talked about, but I think this was his introduction to a larger Western audience. This as if well. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, this is his North American film debut. And he knocks it out of the fucking park. What a, what a spectacular actor! What a, what a great actor! What a great portrayal! What a great villain! And uh, while Shang Chi 
does fail to stick the landing a little bit, as was kind of the case in a couple of their movies this year for Marvel. Uh, Shang-Chi has some of the most memorable action set pieces of recent memory and introduces us to several interesting and fun new characters that I'm really excited to see how they fit into the MCU. So number nine, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, it's the third act that prevented this movie from making my list. Yeah. 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 And it's the third act which uh, cemented it in the lower fifth yeah. of my list. This movie, and again, if you want to listen to our deep dive thoughts, please go back and listen to that episode. The first two-thirds of this movie had me thinking that this was going to be a top ten, possibly top five MCU film. That's how good that bus fight scene is. That's how good that skyscraper fight scene is. And that's how fun and charismatic uh, Simu Lee is, as well as Aquafina. What a, what a deadly combo, having uh, somebody willing to... Uh, do physical stuff on camera somebody who's able to bring that physicality to the role yep. uh and having a great cinematographer having that combination is just the perfect recipe for some great action scenes yes uh simu lee he w- uh, the, the show that he was famous for is kim's convenience thank you that's the one i couldn't remember and tony leung um i mentioned it in that episode but as a reminder we had covered one of his previous films uh a long time ago infernal affairs correct yeah <clears throat> uh <coughs> yeah shang chi uh, really suffers from a third act fail from from the MCU. Um, that's the reason it didn't make my list. Uh, totally enjoyable. I have rewatched it since uh, our review of it. Did we did I see it twice in the theater? I must have. I think I only saw it once. I can't remember. Uh, I, I'm don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed Shang Chi. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure I gave it a four. Mm-hmm. I could just lose my. I'm, pre- I'm I would be very surprised if, if you didn't. I, I I had to have. Yeah, yeah there it is four. Mm-hmm. Of course. I think I think you had it. I think you said you had it at a five until that part. Oh, it was <laughs> it was a fucking five a slam dunk five until the ending. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is a five. <laughs> yeah, and then it got stupid. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's your number nine. Correct, sir. My number nine film is your number ten, Black hey, Widow. There it is. <clears throat> Black Widow, uh, directed by Kate Shortland, written by Eric Peace, uh, Eric Pearson, uh, Jack Schaefer, and Ned Benson, starring Scarlett Johansson, my girlfriend Florence Pugh, David Harbour, and Rachel Weisz. Uh, Metascore of 67. That hurt. Plot. Natasha Romanoff confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises. This movie I was worried about. And then... Along comes Florence Pugh in what can only be described as her ascension into superstardom. I I have the exact same phrase written on my notes. This will be remembered as the movie that catapulted Florence Pugh into mainstream superstardom. She already has an Oscar nomination under her belt for Little Women. As well as an indie darling uh, movie Midsummer, which she got rave reviews for her, for her performance in particular. Her performance in this movie, I, I'm, I'm just trying, this was, for a lot of people, for a lot of people that don't watch TV, I feel like this was people's discovery of Florence Pugh as it was for people's discovery of Chris Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. This was, she was so charismatic, so fun, 
so completely captivating on screen you couldn't take your eyes off her and you just you just want her to be in every scene of the movie i cannot stress how incredibly entertaining she is in this movie and how she completely steals this movie from scarlett johansson it it's unbelievable to witness mm-hmm. i've i think i've rewatched this movie twice since i saw it in theaters and every time i'm just all i'm doing is watching her she has so many great scenes so many great lines i just i just love her i just love her <laughs> i'm i'm the hugest fan of florence pugh the comedy mcu strikes this great tone of action comedy and moving the plot along a lot of people complain that the mcu movies are becoming very cookie cutter i fucking like cookies i don't know, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you I'm like, I am obviously biased because I grew up reading these comics. So finally getting to see them come to life is just filling this old man's heart with nothing but joy. I have no problem with them being cookie cutter because what they're giving me is fucking delicious. They balance the tone of comedy and action so incredibly well. I have a blast watching this movie. David Harbour is an absolute joy. It can't be overlooked here. It can't be overstated. We obviously, well, not, I shouldn't say obviously Sam and I are fans of David Harbour from his role on stranger things Mm -hmm. where that's where I, I know I had seen him in a lot of movies prior to stranger things, but that was his breakout role. And since then he's just, he's done nothing but great work. Mm -hmm. And while I, I did not see his version of Hellboy. Me neither. I heard I heard it was horrible. Ew. Ew. I'll end up I know I'll probably end up checking it out. He's so much fun in this movie. And everybody's having a blast. Except Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, like what's what's the deal? You would think uh you know, she's if I'm not mistaken, she's a producer on the movie, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what 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 went wrong here for Scarlett Johansson? She's kind of sleepwalking through this movie it doesn't yeah. there are certain scenes especially again i'm going to come back to the, the third <laughs> third act problems for the mcu this movie arguably has just as bad a third act as uh shang chi as far as i'm concerned it's got some real problems in it and part of that comes from it feels like scarlett johansson does not understand the character of natasha romanoff in certain scenes in this movie um especially towards the end this character that she's been playing for like a decade now uh, it feels like there are certain scenes where she's out of character or, or the, the plot just kind of doesn't make sense. I was left scratching my head a couple of times in the back back third of this movie. I'm going to give uh, – and this honestly just came to me now as you mm-hmm. were talking. As, I, as my mind was racing, I'm like, can I, can I defend it? Mm. And this is my defense. While it might not hold any water, this is the only thing I can come up with. This movie's set after the blip. Mm-hmm. So she's devastated. So if you remember the way that Scarlet Witch was in Endgame after the blip, where she's basically depressed. Yeah, she's just a zombie. Yeah. That's the only thing I can give. The problem is, like, I'm not def- I'm not going to try to defend it to say that you're wrong. Because mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. She's sleepwalking through this movie. Is she sleepwalking with through it because she knows this is her last one? Maybe. This was going to be her big payday. So it could be that. 
that that's the only thing I can give her. And the reason it feels so bad is that if you take out her performance in Black Widow and you watch Scarlett Johansson and all the other MCU movies, she's having so much fun. Mm-hmm. So did she try to give some depth into Black Widow because she's tackling her past, which is her only trauma? And so that weighs her down and cuts into the fun. The argument to that is Florence Pugh's having a fucking blast. Yeah. And she went through the same shit, if not more. Yeah. And Florence Pugh, without getting into spoilers, has a couple of emotional scenes in the movie, at least one, where she expresses just just the degree to which the trauma that she's been through has fucked her up. And mm-hmm. she expresses it to these people who are supposed to be the surrogate family to her, the people who hurt her. So, um, like I, while I don't know if that is a, uh, if I don't know if that's a thing that happened, what you just said about Scarlett Johansson, I think it's a good defense, and I know you're reaching for one, so I think it's a it's a good one to reach for. Thanks. Um, <laughs> uh, be that as it may, you know whether it's true or not, it doesn't change the fact, you know she she let's just say she leaves something to be desired for I, for her I performance agree. in this movie. Can I quickly go on top of something? I do. Please. I, I want to cut you off here just because I I just want to circle back to the other comment you made. Um, the third act in Black Widow. Mm-hmm compared to the third act in Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. The reason the third act in Black Widow, I agree, is weak. The reason it doesn't bother me enough, not trying to be spoiler for Shang-Chi, the third act in Shang-Chi... Deus Ex Machina? It's not... No, it's not that. Mm. That doesn't bother me. Yeah. What is the tonal shift? Yeah. The first two-thirds of Shang-Chi are amazing, and then the third act, it becomes a different movie. Yeah. That's my big problem with Shang-Chi. Right. Okay. Sorry. No, well, that's fine. Please, your thoughts on Black Widow, your number 10. Yeah, the uh, the only other thing that I really have, we, we've touched on basically everything. My, all The extents of my notes on Black Widow are praise for Florence Pugh <laughs> and a relative disappointment in Scarlett Johansson. I don't want to give the impression that she's like terrible or anything. No, she's not giving far, a bad far performance. From it. Just far from it. Just kind of unnoticeable in, in her own movie, which is unfortunate. Um, then the only other thing that I have is on the note of this being a, a cookie cutter movie. Um, and you liking cookies, which I think is such a great line. Um, this certainly isn't the first movie that the MCU has written um, about the idea of a surrogate family of misfits coming together and kind of forming their own family. This is not the first time we've done that. It's probably not going to be the last. Um, it's not even the only time this year that, they, <laughs> that they've made that movie. Um, but I think this is as good a version of it as, uh, as we could have hoped for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't really touched on Rachel Weiss, who, you know, of the family is probably the third best in the movie, but she's, she has a number of good moments as well. Yep. And this surrogate family is just so weird and quirky and their, their weird pieces just fit together so well. And I think they have really good chemistry. There's a scene, uh, at a dinner table, uh, about two, uh, just before the third act starts. Mm-hmm. Um, that is really good and showcases their really fucked up family dynamic in, yeah. a, in a cool way. So um, there's a bunch of great scenes in this movie. 99% of them have Florence Pugh in them <laughs> and she makes all of them. Um, if for no other reason you should watch this movie, if you're listening and you haven't seen it, you should watch it uh, just to see um, a young superstar being born. Yes. She like <clears throat> Florence Pugh over the last couple of years between this, between uh, Midsummer. Uh, you said she was really good in a movie called Fighting With My Family as well, yeah. I think. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, if anyone out there is a wrestling <laughs> fan, they probably have already watched Fighting With My Family. Watch it. It was recommended to me by someone I didn't really trust her opinion on, but I watched it, and I fucking loved it. It's amazing. Yeah. And then, of course, Little Women with an Oscar nomination, which was 
fully well deserved and yeah. an incredible performance. Uh, this is this is somebody to watch for the future. This is going to be one of the biggest stars on the planet. We have uh, Florence Pugh and Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, man. How lucky are we? Like, who are we? Like, who, how, how are we so lucky to be living this time period with like and Haley Steinfeld? Yeah, like, we've got some. It's a fantastic time for talented young actresses. <laughs> it's it's really a great time. So yeah, my number ten, your number nine, Black Widow. Awesome, Sam. What's your number eight? Number eight. <clears throat> I would also not be surprised if this is going to be a little higher on your list. Uh, is the Oscar nominated, The Power of the Dog. Sam, The Power of the Dog is on my list and it is higher okay then manny your number eight my number eight is a movie i don't think you've seen so i should be able to talk about it okay and that is the tender bar i have not seen it awesome so this uh was directed by george clooney uh written by william monaghan based off the jr moringer novel i think that's how you pronounce it starring ty sheridan and ben affleck has a meta score of 53 Ooh. Oh, that might have cost me the win right yeah, there. Yeah, that was you. You were this close to greatness. <laughs> I really was. Um, the plot: A boy growing up on Long Island seeks out father figures among the patrons at his uncle's bar. The reasons that I love this movie, the number one reason, is my boy, Ben Affleck. I said this the other day, not uh, not to you, but I think I've come to realize that Ben Affleck is my new Kevin Costner. <laughs> it's like a man crush? I It's not a man crush. I just love him in every movie he does. I don't think I've watched a movie, like I've watched some bad movies, but Ben Affleck's been in them, and I'm like, I fucking love him. <laughs> I don't care. This movie is shit, but I fucking love him. Yeah. He's like... I don't know, man. You see, have you seen Daredevil? Yeah. And I, <laughs> I still fucking love Ben Affleck. Such a stupid movie. That movie's horrible. It's so bad. It's horrible. I've seen Geely. I've oh, seen, I've heard of Geely. I've seen Jersey Girl, and I'm like, I love you, Ben Affleck. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that does not mean that I, just because Ben Affleck's in the movie or Kevin Costner's in the movie, that I think the movie is good. It just means that most likely I'm not going to hate it. I might think the garbage, the movie is complete garbage, a.k.a. The Postman. I was just going to say, you've given a Kevin Costner movie a one. Yeah. 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 But Ben Affleck, I just, I just love him. I do. And in this movie, he just fucking puts on the charm. He just, you're just like, oh, I wish Ben Affleck was my uncle. He is so fun, so charismatic, so enjoyable to watch. He has really great chemistry with Ty Sheridan and really great chemistry with whoever plays uh, Ty Sheridan as a young kid. I have no idea. Um, uh, Daniel Ranieri? Yeah. I had uh, a really great time uh, watching this movie. This movie was just one of those movies where I'm watching it and I just feel good. It's not expertly directed by George Clooney, who isn't really that strong of a director. Out of all the movies he's done, one of them I think is fantastic, and that's Good Night and Good Luck, which we've, oh, we've somewhat we, reviewed for this. Back when we were doing five in a week. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Good Night and Good Luck is a movie that I think is fucking spectacular. It's been on my rewatch list for forever. He did another movie called um, The Ides of March, uh, which I really like. Other than that, other movies that George Clooney's directed, I don't think have been that great. <clears throat> the really, for, not to throw out the, the bad pun, but the tender moments in this movie are really good. Boo. I know, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I didn't mean to put it that way, but it's just what I wrote. Yeah. It's... 
it's just one of those movies that you watch that makes you feel good. This is I I told everybody you won't you might get the reference, but you might not fully understand it. This is like watching The Wonder Years, hmm. which was a TV show I think in the late '80s, maybe early '90s, that just had this big nostalgia for basically this time. Oh no, I think The Wonder Years were in the late '60s. Who cares? What this movie does, it really taps into a little bit of nostalgia into thinking back on your youth. Ty Sheridan is an actor that I think he's all right. He was the lead in Ready Player One, which is a movie that I enjoyed. Yeah, I thought it was good. Had some problems, which hurt my heart because it's Spielberg. Mm. Uh, but overall, it was fun. Ty Sheridan's a, an actor that doesn't wow me or have me worried. Basically, this movie is lifted so high because of Ben Affleck and the really inspirational moments and the kind of feel good moments that this movie has that it's based on a true story. I won't lie. Kind of helps a little bit thinking, knowing that this is this guy's telling of his own youth. Um, so yeah, all in all the tender bar was a movie that I just enjoyed way more than I thought I would. It was just a movie that made me feel good. Hence why it's my number eight film of the year. I've only seen Good Night and Good Luck of the directed movies by George Clooney, I think. I haven't seen any of the rest of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can remember some of the other ones. Uh, there is, uh, God damn it, Leatherheads. Mm -hmm. Not that great. Okay. There's one he did you, with Matt Damon. You already listed the Ides of March. Ides of March. And the Tender Bar, of course. And, and the Tender Bar. He did one that he did one with Matt Damon that is um, it's a, a Coen Brothers script. Um, that he did just before the tender bar. Could you name it for me? Uh, the Monuments Men. Oh, the Monuments. Oh, sorry. Men. Oh, are you oh, talking? Oh no. Okay, so the Monuments Men I've seen, not good. Uh, there's. Oh, sorry. Uh, yes. Suburb Suburbicon. Suburbicon. Yeah. There, I got it. Just Woo, as you were saying, baby. It. Yeah. Suburbicon. Haven't seen it. Poorly reviewed. Yeah. Am I missing? I am I missing anyone? Uh, The Midnight Sky, 2020. Oh shit! I saw that too. Yeah. That's actually not bad. Not yeah. bad. And then the only other one you're missing is from 2002, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Oh, I didn't like that. Charles loves that movie. Yeah? Yeah. Because he has no taste. Any, I, know, I know nothing about it. Fuck that big nose freak. Uh, I also just wanted to point out that uh, it's shocking to me that you have seen not one, but two movies called The Postman, and they have an average star rating of one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. I gave El Postino two stars? I think so. I wouldn't be surprised. Hold on. Oh, I can find that. I'll look at it. Oh, yeah, because I, I, it's my turn to talk about a movie now. Yeah. In theory. It's my number seven? Is that right? Yep. Yeah, cool. When was Il Postino? There oh, it is. You got it? I did give it a two. Why the fuck did I give it a two? I don't know. It's better than the Kevin Costner movie, apparently. <laughs> what would pop? There's only, what, that one good scene in yeah. the middle? Yeah, I can't remember. I think the ending is kind of strong. Is it? I seem to remember. I think the ending is strong. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, and there's these all these beautiful shots of the Italian countryside too. Did we not give it a one because the guy died? No, I don't. I think we're above that. I don't. I don't think we would sink to that level. Do I have to re-listen to that fucking episode to figure out why I give it a two? I might have to now. Fuck off. <laughs> hey, I don't mind listening to episodes we make about bad movies. I just mind watching the bad movies. That's true. I'm. Yeah. I am gonna have to re-listen to that to figure out because I can in my mind. I'm like, there. Why would I give this a one? Well, why, why would I, I give this a two? I mean, when I think of the worst movies, the ones that you've really torn a new asshole on this podcast, oh, I, I can think of three of them that you gave a two. One of them is The Postman, uh, Secrets and Lies, and Gosford Park. Two, two, two. 
Why did I give Gosford Park a two? Those are all twos. Yeah. Secrets and Lies got a two because there's some great performances. There's some there's uh, two Oscar nominated performances. One of them is incredibly annoying, <laughs> but the other one, Jean Baptiste, Jean Baptiste, is, is that was that her name? Something like that. Something like that. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I didn't know she was that good. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> uh, moving on to better movies than those. <laughs> yeah, you're number seven. My number seven. I watched this week. And uh, while we did not record an episode on it, obviously, um, we did record an episode on the original version of it for episode 186. That is the recent 2021 remake of West Side Story. Uh, 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 uh. It is on my list. Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) One day I'll get to talk. You will. One day. Right now. Yeah. Because my number seven film is your number eight, The Power of the Dog. Right on. Why don't you lead us in since I've been talking much more than you? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Power of the Dog, directed by Jane Campion, written by Jane Campion and Thomas Savage, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst, Cody Smith McPhee, Metascore of, wait for it, 89. <laughs> My goodness. Plot, charismatic rancher Phil Burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him. When his brother brings home a new wife and her son, Phil torments them until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. This is the oscar baitiest movie of the year. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can really say about the plot in, without getting into spoilers, but this is the oscar baitiest movie of the year, and you know what? I'm here for it. It's, a, it, it's Oscar bait done exceptionally well. Um, this is not what I'm saying. Uh, this, is, this is not a blanket recommendation. This is a slow, very slow-paced movie that's going to make you wait for the payoff. But, boy, is the payoff at the end worth it. If you're paying attention, that is. Uh, This is a character study of Phil Burbank, a cruel, bitter man uh, who just can't seem to let others in his life be happy. And the journey that we go on as an audience is to find out why this man is the way that he is. And it's a great journey, and it's a really fun look into a life of uh, this fictional man. It's bold, beautifully shot, well-acted. Yes, it's slow. <laughs> it's a slow burn of a movie, and I feel like this is either the kind of movie... No, no, this is the kind of movie that you need to be in the right mood for. Yeah. Um, you need to be ready for a slow movie, devoid of comedy. This is just a dark character study of a bitter man with an exceptional performance at the helm from Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, as of this point in time, uh, we're recording this uh, several days out from the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point in time, Benedict Cumberbatch is one of two frontrunners. Is the buzz? Yes, that's the buzz. Is He's that not, this is the only person that would be capable of pulling the upset? Yeah, over Will Smith. Over Will Smith. Yeah, which I want to. I want to say for the. I want put on the record again, and I'll say this every time. The moment I watched King Richard, I called my shot. I said Will Smith will win Best Actor. All right. And I, I know you're serious about these things. You're always bragging to me about your predictions in baseball. And recently you've been exceptionally three for three, baby. Yeah. Uh, Manny, Power of the Dog. The ending of this movie makes it worth watching. Oh, it's awesome. And that's the only thing I've always told people. I'm like, I, I've, I, it's a warning. The movie is deliberately paced. Deliberate is a word. It's yeah. deliberately paced. This is a deep character study. It is not exciting. This is technically a Western, 
but it's a deconstruction of a western because there are no gunfights. No, there's nothing like that. It's it's just it's, a, it's about people. It's about people and the relationships between people, and the burdens that they carry, and how they react to those skeletons in their closet. The ending is what makes this movie worth it. In all honesty, if the ending wasn't as good as it was, this movie would have dropped a full point for me. Mm-hmm. Cumberbatch at the helm is mesmerizing. And in any other year, he's probably going to win. I'm going to say something pretty controversial. Uh-oh. Yeah. For the first time ever. You're probably not going to like it. Okay. <clears throat> Cumberbatch could probably win an Oscar if he wasn't white. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, One of the reasons, there are several reasons why Will Smith is going to win the Oscar. One, it is a great performance. Two, he is incredibly popular. Three, he is a superstar. Four, he is African American. If I may uh, play devil's advocate on this, yes, I've heard this. I've I've seen this one before. The, like, I've I've heard this narrative before. Uh, Denzel for Fences. Uh, I don't. I what? Yeah, I did not hear that narrative at all. What year was that? That was 2016. The 17 Oscars. No, sorry, that was 2017. 2017 yeah. Oscars. Yeah, that was when the Oscars So White campaign was just coming to the forefront. And uh, Casey Affleck winds up taking home the the gold, winds up taking home the hardware. And it uh, is portrayed as a little bit of a slap in the face um, because this, like, I don't want to downplay Denzel's performance in that movie. It's a really good performance in a subpar movie. Um, but Casey Affleck winning was considered a huge upset that year. For no, it was not. Reason. Wasn't it? No, he was the front runner. No way. Yes. I, I, in my head, Denzel, but okay. No, Den- Denzel... Denzel was in the, he was in the running. Casey mm. Affleck, it was not an upset. It was not a shock that he won. Mm. Denzel's name was being bandied about because he was the only African American nominated for Best Actor when the Oscars So White campaign began. Mm. But Casey Affleck was the front runner. That it was not a shock. Like if if, if you had asked me prior who's going to win it, I wouldn't been it's like it's Casey Affleck. He's really? winning his okay. side. All right, but, I guess my memory is incorrect on that. But the, part of but the problem, race was part of the discussion. Race was part of the, the problem with Denzel. He's already got two. Mm-hmm. And as much as I wish it was true, the Oscars are not a meritocracy. No. They take past performances and past wins into consideration, mm-hmm. which they shouldn't. They shouldn't. And it's one of the reasons why we don't see Tom Hanks up there anymore. He's got two. The only person, there's two people that are exempt from this rule. One of them is named Meryl. The other is Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's only because he is in a movie like once a decade now. And now he's not in anymore. Ho- I'm, I'm hoping he comes out of retirement someday. I would love it if he did. But yes, uh, Denzel's name was in that year only because he was African-American. Not not because of the performance. Hmm. That's the problem. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Fair so enough. Benedict Cumberbatch is the only person as from all the buzz I hear is the only person capable of pulling the upset mm-hmm. over Will Smith, but I don't see it happening. Okay. Will Smith to lose. Pretty much. The oh, of the four 
out of the four well, acting nominations, two, two of them are pretty much locks. Last year, we also had, I'm just remembering, we had a black front runner upset by a by a white winner. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Oscars uh, was really hedging their bets on Chadwick Boseman winning. They sure were. And they built their whole ceremony around it. They sure did. And then Anthony Hopkins won, which I didn't see. Um, Sorry. The which father. I did see the father, uh, the Chadwick Boseman one. Well, or, oh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah, I didn't see Ma Rainey's. So fantastic mm. performance is so good. Yeah, I loved the father. I thought the father was great. So did I. Yeah. Um, that one, I don't know if I'll ever watch again. The father? Yeah, I'm sure I will. It's a heavy ass movie. It is. Yeah. I don't remember crying though. I don't know if I cry. I felt very uncomfortable. I like there's a the climactic the cry scene like at, at the very end of the movie where Anthony Hopkins just breaks down and has this for your consideration moment mm. that just made me so sad. <laughs> yeah. Let's circle back to the power of the dog. Let's do it. Cinematography is absolutely breathtaking. I didn't mention that, but holy shit, this, like, I didn't expect, I don't know what to expect from movies on any given year. I definitely didn't expect to think Montana looked beautiful. <laughs> the state of Montana looks not, gorgeous. It's not Montana. Isn't it? It was filmed in New Zealand. Isn't it set in Montana? Yes. Okay. That's okay. that's what I'm that's what okay. I'm getting at. Okay. Okay. I just, I'm just like, God, did I predict something was in Montana wrongly for the second time this oh. year? God. <laughs> I got I don't I don't think my ego could take that. But yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, okay. okay. Yeah. The movie's set in Montana, but <laughs> yeah. it was filmed in New Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand is of course gorgeous. Yes. Um and this movie made me feel the same about the state of Montana, which is not something I expected to feel this year, but here we are. <laughs> Montana plays a big part in our podcast. This oh, year. it does, yeah. Awesome. So that's number seven, mm -hmm. uh, The Power of the Dog. Okay. Sam, your number six. My number six. I uh, I know that you've seen. I would be surprised if it's on your list, given that it's this high. Ooh, interesting. Um, number six, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Sam, this movie's not on my list. Okay. Let me just say this right now. Fucking love that it's on yours. <laughs> it is. I fucking love that it's on it yours. It is indeed on my list. It's directed by Michael Rianda and Jeff Rowe and written by the very same folks. Uh, starring Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph for the Metascore of, wait for it, 81. Motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, we got, scored some Metascore points on that one. The plot, a quirky, dysfunctional family's road trip is upended when they find themselves in the middle of the robot apocalypse and suddenly become humanity's unlikeliest last hope. This movie has all the energy of a ferret on crack. This movie is balls to the wall, insane for a kid's movie at all times. It goes for every joke it can think of, and most of them even hit. Even when it doesn't, the movie just doesn't linger on a joke long enough for you to even register that there's been a miss, and it's just on to the next one. And the animation goes by the exact same philosophy. Every lighting cue that the animators could think of, every facial expression, every visual gag they could possibly think of, it's just bang, 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 rapid fire. Um, this is a sensory overload, overload <laughs> movie. And that's the phrase that comes to mind here. And... I don't want any of this to come off as a negative, but this is a movie built for uh, the Vine and the Twitter generation, for the social media generation. If, if you've got kids, especially, with short attention spans who need bright flashing lights to keep their attention, Mitchells versus the Machines is the movie for you. Uh, I, <laughs> I love bright flashing lights and rapid fire jokes, and I had a fantastic time um with this movie even beyond the 
tone being so fun and frenetic. Uh, this is a movie about a family that's drifting apart and they're forced to come together under a huge amount of stress and them all learning to, to fit their personalities together. And uh, in, in particular, the dynamic between um, the patriarch of the family and the, and the daughter, uh, that's sort of the main uh, source of conflict is them trying to learn how to survive together when they've been drifting apart for so long. Um, that family conflict really has a ton of heart at the, at the core of all these rapid fire jokes. Yeah. A lot of them are funny and yeah, the movie has a lot of energy, but if it doesn't have any heart, I don't think it makes my list. And it's, it's a really sweet and tender movie about family. Um, that just has, a, it just goes a mile, min, mile a minute for the entire runtime. So uh, I had a great time with Mitchell's versus the machines and, uh, you watched it uh, as well this year, correct? I did. Oh yeah. 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 Love this movie. Yeah. I'll great. be perfectly honest. If I had had time to rewatch this, I bet you it would have made my list. Sure. Did you watch this with your daughter? Oh yeah. Yeah. This seems like a great one to watch with. Like it, it is obviously a kids movie, but this <laughs> this feels like one of the movies that is most directed at kids uh, of all the ones that was released this year. It was her favorite movie for a week. Oh wow. Yeah. That's a huge honor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. It was her favorite movie for a week. Yeah. Up, uh, overtaken by uh, Shaun the Sheep, Farmageddon. Ah, which I didn't see. So good. Was that this year? No. No? That was no. 2020? Yeah. I heard excellent things about that it's movie. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I think that one's on my watch list, too. Yeah. God, my letterbox watch list is just insanely long. Insanely oh. long. Mitchell's vs. the Machines, uh, made by the same studio that brought us Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yes. And <clears throat> honestly, same level of craftsmanship. Here. Yeah. It, it's so incredibly entertaining. It was miles better than i anticipated no I, pun intended with uh spider-man into the spider-verse yeah miles better yep okay sorry <laughs> uh the the movie was so much better than i was expecting and i was so overjoyed to find it that way it did get nominated for best animated feature this year <clears throat> i was intending on watching all of the best animated features as well but i haven't even watched all the best picture uh nominations yet so I you're missing what two of them i'm missing raya and flea and flea yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm, I'm, I want to find time to watch Flea this week. It's like 80 minutes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I want to I want to find time to watch that, but I want to find time to watch King Richard too. <laughs> Flea's a triple nom. Yeah, I'll, I'll be knocking one off for documentary animation and... Um, foreign. Foreign, yeah. Do you remember where it's from? I would guess... Afghanistan. Hold on. Or Iran. Oh, wait, no. International. Denmark? Flea. What's your final answer? Denmark. Denmark is correct. Very nice. Right. I, <laughs> the subject matter is from Afghanistan. The filmmakers are from Denmark. Gotcha. Ooh, that's crucial detail. Yeah. So that's your number six. Number six. Number six is Mitchell vs. the Machines, a batshit crazy kids movie that I am very happy exists. I'm going to be following the studio very closely because this, this is a ton of fun. Yeah. My number six is a movie that you haven't seen. Okay. My number six is the other five-star movie I gave out this year. The one that I couldn't guess. Yeah, the, the one that you couldn't guess. Okay, but it's only number five. Or number, number six, sorry. Number six. And as stated earlier, the star ratings don't have any bearing on the actual rankings here. Correct. My number six film of the year is Ryan the Last Dragon. Right. Okay. Uh, directed by Don Hall, Carlos... Uh, Carlos Lopez Estrada and Paul Briggs uh, written by and I'm going to butcher this uh, Ki Nien 
Adele Lim and Paul Briggs, starring Kelly Marie Tran, Aquafina, and Gemma Chan, has a Metascore of 75. Plot. In a realm known as Kumandra, a reimagined Earth inhabited by an ancient civilization, a warrior named Raya is determined to find the last dragon. <clears throat> this movie is absolutely spellbinding. There is so much to like in this movie. So I'm just going to start throwing out reasons that it's so enjoyable. Number one, the animation is fucking breathtaking. There are shots and scenes in this movie that you feel are not animated. They are beautifully rendered, incredibly realistic, and just a joy to behold. Aquafina, once again, gives <clears throat> a delightful comedic performance as The Last Dragon. She is incredibly enjoyable, doesn't go too far over the line into camp or anything like that, and suits the tone of the gives them the, the movie a nice balance because she is uh, the subject of the movie but is also one of the comic relief characters. There's a couple other ones, but she has Aquafina balances both some of the heart of the movie as well as a lot of comedy because Raya <clears throat> is a very almost stoic character that is dealing with a lot. And... Kelly Marie Tram plays her very well, but doesn't get to have a lot of fun in the role. It's almost a pretty serious role that actually carries a lot of weight, and that's one of the reasons that I liked it. The world building is something that you and I love when it's done right, and this movie does it right. They have this whole reimagined Earth, like it says in the plot, where are the uh, there are these five kingdoms in here and each one while i don't i'm not a fan of <clears throat> the names they make sense for the world and each one's name is also fairly symbolic of the environment of that realm the comedy in here is pretty fun it's not at the same wacky level as say the mitchells versus the machines or some other animated films this year but when the comedy hits it hits good there are these very enjoyable young characters in this movie that are an absolute delight to watch. Aquafina has some really great comedic moments. And lastly, the heart of this movie. Um, let's just put everything on the table. Part of the movie, part of this movie is a father daughter relationship. And so obviously this is going to hit pretty close to home for me and elevates my enjoyment of this movie. I'm sorry, I don't know if you said this already, but you watched this with Maya, correct? Sure did. Yeah. Yeah. I had a really great time with Ryan the Last Dragon. This was a last-minute addition because I just rewatched Raya this week. I love this movie, and I'm looking forward to rewatching it several times over. Raya and the Last Dragon, number six. All right. Good picks. Um, I am going to predict that this next one is yet another one you have higher. We're halfway through. Yeah. We're at the halfway point. We are at the halfway point. We're, we're kind of cruising through this. And your prediction is that I have this higher. My number five. <clears throat> My number five, yet again, is one that uh, we've actually discussed in an episode with Miss Jordan Spires. Episode 180, we spoke about our most anticipated movie of the year. Dune. 
Sam, Dune is on my list, and mm-hmm. it is higher than number five. Okay. Manny, what's your number five? My number five, Sam, is your number seven, West Side Story. Wonderful. So while I let you once again take it, since you've been having to be so patient with me. <laughs> uh, so I feel like this happens every year. I feel like <laughs> I just have everything lower. Anyway, uh, West Side Story, my number seven, your number five. Um was directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Tony Kushner and Arthur Lawrence, starring Ansel Elgort, Rachel Zegler, Ariana DeBose, David Alvarez, a Metascore of 85. 85. <laughs> Plot, an adaptation of the 1957 musical, West Side Story explores forbidden love and the rivalry between Jets and the Sharks, two teenage street gangs of different ethnic backgrounds. West Side Story. It had the challenge in my opinion, of balancing homage and freshness. Mm -hmm. It's kind of something tough with these remakes. You need to pay sufficient tribute to the old one, but you can't just make a shot-for-shot remake. you got to put your own spin on it. It's got to be distinctively different, in my opinion. And, of course, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, Steven Spielberg, Manny. He's new on the scene. He's (laughs) supposed to be the new hot thing, but apparently he's a great director, and uh, I'm going to be looking forward to what this kid can do because uh, this guy does an exceptional job with this movie, striking that balance in a really cool way. Um, when I saw the original, I was a bit skeptical. Um, I, I really liked the original. I was just skeptical that it could be remade for 2021 and remain tasteful. Because <laughs> let's just say there's some stuff that hasn't aged well. Obviously, you and I always do our best to judge movies within the context of the period in which they were made. Yes. So, you what you have to. Certain things in the original, like, I don't know, Puerto Ricans being portrayed in brown face by white actors, while it is something that I would not like to see in a 2021 movie, even in the slightest, I, I can give it a pass for happening 50 years ago, mm-hmm. or 60 years ago, whatever it was. Um... So um, I, I was really happy to see that some of the racial themes in this movie had been updated appropriately. Uh, some of the racism that's bandied about between these two groups is um, sufficiently frowned upon, let's say. Um, it takes a lot of the aspects that already weren't great in the first one. Um, one of the things you and I talked about in that West Side Story episode is how Tony is just a bland protagonist he's one of the worst parts of the movie we both really liked west side story i I will reiterate this i think he is the worst part i think we both called him the weak link tony our main character our protagonist is just a fucking dud he's just so boring and that was partially due to the direction i think the actor had a lot different ideas than the director Mm. on the way they wanted to go and uh, we kind of reached that conclusion spielberg addresses that right away we get a whole different backstory for tony yes. in the, in this movie which i think serves the movie super well oh my god so well. it's like night and day better tony is instantly like such a more interesting character it's crazy um i do feel maybe you'll agree maybe you'll disagree manny but i do feel that the dance numbers suffer in this one compared to the original i think that a lot of that mm. aspect of things uh, aren't as good not bad they're just not as good as the original um and, but overall, I think West Side Story does a great job of paying tribute to that era and sort of reframing this con- conflict in a, in a 2020s fresh new look. And uh, Steven Spielberg does it again. I, I think this is a... It's nowhere close to his best work because how could it be? <laughs> because his best work is some of the greatest works of art that the world has ever seen. Um, but it's a damn good movie. 
And in my opinion, the seventh best of the year. <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain. I'm, I was going to... For those of you that don't know, uh, uh, I, I run a couple games for 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 the PFGs, the past and future That's what we're calling them now. Yeah, Not to be confused with Steven Spielberg's worst movie. Yeah. Oh, that's the BFG. That's the BFG. That is yeah. a, that's a different thing. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> um, currently, we're doing we're drafting Tom Hanks's best performances. We've had we did an episode on Tom Hanks. Crafting you and I his, did, yeah. Crafting his Hall of Fame is ten best performances. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if I asked you to give me Tom Hanks's Mount Rushmore, it would be difficult. Yeah. How difficult would it be to give Steven Spielberg's? Mount Rushmore. Like when you say Mount Rushmore, I think, well, I think there's four faces on Mount Rushmore, right? Yes. So four Spielberg movies that are iconic and that define his career. Yes. Not necessarily his best, not necessarily the most successful, but like you've got four movies to represent Steven Spielberg's entirety of his filmography. Go. The omissions you would have to make would be heartbreaking. Yes. Heartbreaking omissions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, let me just, off the top of my head, let me just go okay. Jaws, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, E.T., and then, okay, what's the laundry list of movies that I've just omitted? Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yep, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. <laughs> one of the greatest action movies ever made, or adventure movies, let's say. Uh, you'd have to, <laughs> you'd have to omit uh, The Color Purple. Mm-hmm. You'd have to omit uh, Some Close, of, Close uh, Encounters of the Third Kind. Yep. <laughs> how about i mean even th- this movie isn't even in the same category as those but a legal drama that i personally love called bridge, bridge of spies um and a, a journalist drama uh called the post that just came out a few years ago which has both tom hanks and meryl streep in it like the laundry list of movies that this guy has made uh that are just exceptional just goes on and, on and i'm sure we've forgotten a ton i'm sure there's like if i read through his filmography right now i'd be like oh i can't believe we didn't talk about this one um, Hold on, you said the four were Jurassic Park, Minority Schindler's List, <laughs> Jaws, yeah. and E.T.? Yeah. That means we're leaving Save off, Saving Private Ryan. Except I can't because I... <laughs> well, which one of those four are you kicking off? Uh, personally, E.T., but like that's I, that's I also off, heartbreaking. I kick off Jurassic Park. <laughs> I can tell you right now, E.T., Jaws, like, I can't E.T., Jaws, and Schindler's List are on there. Yeah. You can't kick those off. Yeah, those are unimpeachable. So yes. really, number four is like either Saving Private Ryan... Or E.T. Or, or Indiana Jones. Or Indiana Jones. Yeah, fuck or, that. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Anyways. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, long story short, West Side Story is nowhere close to either Spielberg's most popular movie, his best movie, his most successful movie, whatever metric you want to use, this is not it. Yeah. But. but <laughs> it still is nominated for Best Picture this year. It was a massive... I agree. I was really looking forward to West Side Story because I, I'm i a fan of the original. I somewhat bristle at your statement about the dancing mm-hmm. because I think some of the dance sequences in the original are better. Mm-hmm. But there are some in here that I like a lot more. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> whenever I watch a movie, Spielberg is almost the metric at which I compare them to. I always wonder how would Steven have shot this movie and what he does with the camera work 
in this movie, in my opinion, makes the original look like garbage. (laughs) (laughs) And the original looks really good. For the time. For the time. Yeah, this movie looks fucking awesome. This movie blew me away Mm -hmm. at how great it looked. And as good as it looks, it's not even going to sniff the best cinematography Oscar this year. We can usually throw a lot of superlatives at Spielberg movies. They're the best directed often. They're Mm -hmm. the best acted often. They're the best shot often. I'm going to throw another one at you. The best lit. Oh, yes. Just this is this is a fantastically lit movie. Um, I mean, your metric for how you want to rank that may vary, but Spielberg has this habit of just like floodlights everywhere. And stylistically, I am here for it. I'm a fan of it. Just every time there's a window on screen, you best believe there's a floodlight on the other side of that just pouring through. <laughs> yep. He is just he's a genius, and in my opinion, the greatest to ever have done this. Mm-hmm. I think he's the greatest director. He blends both critical praise and incredibly gifted craftsmanship with commercial success unlike anybody ever before mm-hmm. or probably after yeah and <clears throat> i'm sure everybody can everybody can make an argument for whoever they want you want to say hitchcock you want to say kubrick you want to say scorsese i'm more than happy to listen to your arguments but you're going to have to ha- you're going to have a really hard time convincing me that spielberg is not the greatest director of all time yeah moving forward from there uh, the music is absolutely delightful. Of course. The performances are really good. Obviously a huge upgrade uh, in the main character, Tony. Yes. I was really worried that we weren't going to get as good a performance from the Oscar-winning performance um, of shit, of uh, Anita. Yeah. And instead what we got, another most likely Oscar-winning performance uh, playing the role of Anita. Mm-hmm. She is amazing. Ariana DeBose is pretty much, it was the other lock I'm talking about when yeah. it comes to uh, the acting categories this year. She's fantastic. She's unbelievable. Mike Feist as Riff. Mm-hmm. A different take on the character. More threatening. Mm-hmm. I liked it. This is one of the examples I was kind of, I had in mind when I said this is like, especially the racial aspect of this movie. Uh, I was afraid that the movie was kind of going to shy away from it because there, there's all these racial tensions in the original. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot more, um, there's a lot less, let's say, leeway for directors to play with that kind of thing. And Spielberg treats it so tastefully and he takes Riff, a character who's racist, and instead of kind of forgiving it and like backing off of it a little, little bit, he doubles down. He, he just doubles down like, this guy hates these people for who they are. And it just like doesn't shy away from that fact. Yeah. I kind of love it. He does not forgive it. He doesn't excuse it. But he he just goes like, yeah, this guy grew up hating these people, so of course he's going to hate these people. Yeah. And it from his perspective, even though we the audience don't agree with it, from his perspective, these people are just intruders on his turf. Yep. And uh, yeah, it makes perfect sense for that. And I think his characterization is treated so well, and he actually has a really good monologue to that effect in the first third of this movie. Yes. Um, when he's uh, when he's talking to when he's talking to Tony, he's like, "Yeah, these people. Every day I see people in my neighborhood that I don't like, and they don't like me. And every day there's more of them." He's like, "Yeah, I get it. <laughs> like, I don't agree with you at all. I still think you're horribly wrong, but like, but you're not wrong about that." <laughs> yeah. Let's say. 
And I honestly thought that Rachel Zegler uh, as Maria was going to get an Oscar nom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really sad that she didn't. Yeah. Now, I haven't seen all the performances, so I don't know who I would take out. But I thought she was really great. Yeah. A massive upgrade. Uh, I absolutely love West Side Story. When I saw it's on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I watched it. When I saw it on Disney Plus, I immediately wanted to watch it, but I had so many other things that I needed to get done. It's a long movie. That's why it, it it took so long between this and King Richard. It was just like, oh my god, it's so long. It's one of the reasons I'm not going to be able to watch Drive My Car by the time the Oscars come around. <laughs> no, Nightmare Alley. <laughs> King uh, Richard, yeah, hands down. I, I, it, it is my priority. Yeah. Awesome. It is my priority. All right, so that's my number five. We have four slots left. I'm fairly certain of three of yours. Hmm. The fourth one, I feel like I have a pretty good idea. Yeah. So I'm very interested in seeing where this goes. Okay. Your order... I did predict what I think your number one is going to be. Interesting. Um, I actually have it written down on the bottom of this book. Oh, nice. I didn't write down your number one, but I, I, but you, you know, know you know that I know what your number one I've is. I've made it no secret <laughs> to what my number one movie All this right. year is. Yeah, that's fine. So for anybody that listens to this podcast, don't be holding your breath for number one because I've made it fairly well known what my favorite movie of this year is. Mm-hmm. So we're actually on pins and needles on what Sam's is going to be. Yeah. But before have we I get really there. Been, have I been playing it that close to the chest? I guess I have. I don't know. <laughs> I well, I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. But before we get there, Sam, I need to know your number four film, which I think is the one that I'm unsure about. Yeah, I'm going to say it probably is. Okay. If I'm understanding you correctly. All right. Because... Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, number four um, is the third appearance on this list of an MCU movie. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Okay. Yeah, not right. that one. The other one. <laughs> I was like, wow. No, no, no. Not that one. Oh, okay. my God. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not going to... That movie isn't going to be on your list, so I'm just going to say it. It's not Eternals. Okay. It's not Eternals. That, I was like, wow. <laughs> number four, Spider-Man. No way home, which I'm assuming I'm gonna have to just hold off on for a for a touch. A little, a, for, for a little, a little a teensy, sm- a, a smidge, a teensy weensy. We're gonna hold off on that. Wait, you could probably hold your breath. Okay. All right. Spider Man No Way Home is my number four. Manny, what's yours? Okay. I can tell you right now, it's not what I thought your number four was. Okay. I had this at number three. For you. For you. You had Spider Man. I had Spider Man No Way Home at number three for you. Okay. In my, in my mind. All right. Which makes me really start to wonder is the like I said, I had this was one of the three I was fairly certain were left. Mm-hmm. There's this fourth film that I'm not sure what it is, okay. but I'm like, I would say 95% sure I know what it is. I, and I, I feel thought, and I thought it was going to be here. You know me well enough. I, I bet you have it right, but we'll uh, we'll get there when we I get guess there. we'll find out. Yeah. But before we get there, it's time for my number four, the movie that could not make the podium. It just missed the podium because we're at number four. Wah, wah. And my number four is a movie you have not seen. <gasps> Interesting. My number four is the one we just discussed, King Richard. Okay. Okay, now I really need to prioritize this. Uh, directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green, written by Zach Balin, starring Will Smith, Anjane Ellis, and John Bernthal, has a Metascore of 76. Plot, a look at how tennis superstars Venus and Serena Williams became who they are after the coaching from their father, 
Richard Williams. I went into this movie not really expecting much, expecting, uh, from what I had heard, a really good Will Smith performance and a basic story of how the Williams sisters became how dominant as they are. This movie focuses on Venus more than Serena. Interesting choice. Right, because Serena's Ser- the, Serena the best, is the greatest tennis player of all time. Yes. Okay. This focuses on Venus because she's the older one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they they Serena is definitely in there in a large part because it's about the the Williams sisters, but it focuses. I would say like it's like a when it comes to the, the sisters, it's like a sixty forty, maybe even a maybe even a sixty five thirty five. Obviously, it really focuses on Richard Williams, played by Will Smith. As I was watching this movie, all I could kept saying is like, "Will Smith is going to win the Oscar." They want to give him an Oscar. He is. This is not a Will Smith performance. He is not Will Smith. He is playing a character. One of the few times that he actually changes who he is, because Will Smith in Men in Black is Will Smith in Men in Black. Mm-hmm. Will Smith in Bad Boys is. Will Smith and Bad Boys. Mm-hmm. Will Smith and Wild Wild West is Will Smith and Wild Wild West. Who is he in Independence Day? He's Will Smith. Yeah. <laughs> in this movie, similar to The Pursuit of Happiness. Oh, great movie. He is a character. He is not Will Smith in The Pursuit of Happiness. In this movie, he fucking kills it. He doesn't disappear into the role because there's not much of a physical change. He has a different type of walk. And he doesn't carry himself with that level of confidence that Will Smith does. And that's what you really notice is that you stop seeing Will Smith. And that's a huge thing when it comes to an actor. Similar to Leonardo DiCaprio. Similar, not quite. I shouldn't say that because we're talking at another level. I was going to say like Daniel Day-Lewis. But when you're watching Daniel Day-Lewis, you're just like, I'm watching perfection. Hmm. Will Smith is absolutely spectacular in this movie. And... Thankfully, he's so good that if he wins, I won't feel that it wasn't deserved, that he was given the Oscar because they want to give a very popular person an Oscar or a makeup Oscar. Mm-hmm. This isn't a makeup for anything, even though I think he probably should have won for Ali. Was uh, was his name bandied about in uh, Concussion? Was he, he was nominated for – or no, sorry, he was not nominated for Concussion. I think that was a – Considered a notable omission from that year that by happened. some. By some, I still haven't seen Concussion, so I don't know. Neither have I. Yeah. I need to. I would. Let, I do want to check this out now. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I do actually own Concussion. <laughs> it's one of the many movies that I own that is just still in the plastic. But yeah, it's oh, not not one that I've seen. Okay, thank God. Yeah. Please do. If I was to, I, I'm going to say that's a 20. Is that 2016 as well? It's not a concussion. That might have been same year or 2017, I guess. Maybe same year as Denzel and Casey Affleck. 2015, okay. 2015. So that is the 86th Oscar for the films of... Tw- I'm sorry, did I say that was 2015? Yeah, you said that was 2015. So 2015 films. So that's actually the 2016 Oscars mm-hmm. that he would have been snubbed for. So that's the... <clears throat> that's the 88. He was up against... DiCaprio for The Revenant, Cranston for Trumbo, Matt Damon for The Martian, Fassbender for Steve Jobs, and Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. So the only person I could see him taking out of there might be Cranston. Yeah. Because he's they, – they, well, and he was fucked anyways because they were dying to give DiCaprio the Oscar, hmm. which he didn't deserve for that movie. No. 
which we can talk about some other time. <laughs> because we're here to talk about King Richard. The inspirational story, we're talking about two young African-American women trying to break into the second most white sport on the planet. Golf. A- after golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and one day we'll get the Tiger Woods movie. Yeah. Which, uh, that can't be that far away, can it? No, there's no way. I mean, Tiger Woods is in the twilight of his career. Question. Hmm. The Tiger Woods film, are they going to focus on the sport or the man? Because are we going to get the are we going to get the scandals in it? If we're going to get the scandals in it, I it, think that we're not seeing that movie for at least another 20 the years. The fact, the, I, I think, I, I'm not a huge golf fan and I'm not a huge Tiger guy, so I'm, I yep. really can't say for sure. But the fact that he had the downfall that he had and then came back from both the uh, personal problems he had and the injury problems that he had, came back to win a major, I think that storyline alone is enough for them to include the personal problems that he's had in there but he has to sign off on it he does and that's that's is he willing to put that on a movie screen that's my question and that's that's the huge question right his family's going to see this but he has had such a public falling out and to my knowledge it's it's not like a he said she said like his story is different than what's been published in the public i think he has never denied anything that has come out about him so I do still want it blasted on the big screen. I don't know. Right. Because, I don't know. Because like, as in, I, I love that we're talking about this mm-hmm. while it's been public, he hasn't denied it. There are people that don't follow golf and don't know who he is. You like, don't know who tiger is. hundred percent. You, you, you think there's, I bet we could go ask 10 girls right now and they would have no idea. Who really? I mean, it's never really occurred to me probably because I, I grew up in a sports household. I guess it's, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, he's that... like, he's like the goat. <laughs> he's, he's like, beside him and him and Nicholas, it's like one, a one B as far as I know right now, again, not a golf fan. So people may disagree with me and they, they're probably right. But my understanding right now of the debate in golf, and I can't believe we're talking about this is one, a one B woods, Nicholas. Sure. Yeah. But there are people that don't follow golf mm-hmm. that don't, that have never seen golf. Yeah, and they'd be like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and I did not. I'll also just state I did not grow up on golf. I didn't play golf until two years ago, three yeah. years ago. But you're a sports fan. Yeah, I am. But I am a sports fan, and Sports Center and Sports Net was always on. Yeah. in my house. Right. So, so of course I kept up with him. Like, I don't. I don't follow hockey mm-hmm. at all. But you know who Sidney Crosby is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would. I don't follow hockey. I don't. I don't even watch Sports Center. But I think the best player in the nhl is Connor mcdavid uh, yeah yeah right. with some debate but yes yeah so but i'm a but i'm a sports fan mm-hmm. i bet you my friend jeremy who doesn't follow oh no he does follow sports i was gonna say mm-hmm. i'm like he never follows sports but he does i bet you he wouldn't be able to tell you like i would actually have to sit here and think right now i don't think i could tell you who won the stanley cup last year tampa bay yes you could oh there we go <laughs> like i care anyways <laughs> so what what Circling again for the second time back to King Richard. Uh, Will Smith is absolutely fantastic in this. The following the story of how these um, this African American girls break through in a I I want to use the word predominantly no they break through in a white sport mm-hmm. is very inspirational and obviously it shows the things and because they come from, they're from the ghetto they're not it's not like they were rich black people that move their way into this rich sport they are from the fucking ghetto and they break through and 
come on. We all fucking love underdog stories. Mm-hmm. We fucking love them. And what this does, this really shows <clears throat> the way they get there. Uh, Will Smith is great. An actor that is in this movie that I fucking love. I, I can't think of a time he's been in a movie or a show and I don't love him. And that's John Bernthal. Mm. He is fucking hilarious. Is he a this. piece of shit in this movie nope. too? <laughs> he is not. He is always a piece of shit. Almost always. What movies do you think of he's a piece of shit? He's not a he's not a piece not of a shit. Piece of, in Wind River. Nope. He's not. He's we're led to he's believe a piece he's a piece of shit in Sicario. Yeah, he's a piece of shit in Sicario. Uh, he's a piece of shit in, in in The Walking Dead. Baby Driver. Oh yeah. Fury. Yeah, a bit of a piece of bit shit. Bit of a piece of shit. Wolf of Wall Street. No, I don't find him. Oh, he is. Yeah. I guess he is. But he's he's not a piece of shit compared to no compared to Leo. Jonah Hill. <laughs> yeah. Jonah Hill. Oh, yeah. Jonah Hill's the one that gets him fucking thrown in jail. Spoilers. Yeah, everybody is a piece of shit in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, so. I fucking love that movie. That movie has climbed my love. Me too. Chart. I think. Yeah. Me too. I was really sad that it made the top ten movie, the top of the decade. The list you guys yeah, made. that's true. That made me fucking angry. Honestly, I didn't even consider that one, but it really should have. Anyways, John Bernthal, hilarious in this. Mm-hmm. Not like in a comedic role, but like he's so put upon. You're just like, he's he's not playing who you think John Bernthal should. He's mm-hmm. doing another really, not Oscar worthy, but just below it. Mm-hmm. Not like, holy fuck, that's a great performance. You're just like, Fuck, he's awesome. <laughs> so much fun. Um, Anjanae Ellis, uh, she plays um, the matriarch of the Williams family. She's the uh, she's the mother. Watching the movie, I was just enthralled by her performance and was begging for her to get a nomination, which she ended up getting. I'm so happy for her. Mm. Totally worthy of the nomination. The two girls that play this, the Williams sisters are really great. The tennis scenes are done really well, and they're very believable. Um, it's just an incredibly great underdog sports story. And knowing... <clears throat> I can't say that's a bit of a spoiler. Hmm. The movie is spectacular. I originally gave this movie a four, but it's a five. Wow. 100%. This the the next time I watch it, it's going to get a 5. Great. This is the type of movie underdog sports story. This is the kind of movie I will be putting on often. Cool. And like I want to watch something that's fun, enjoyable and makes me feel good. King Richard's going right in the Blu-ray player. Great. Yeah. King Richard, uh my number 4 film of the year. Very exciting. We're on the podium, Manny. We are. We're there. My number 3, my bronze medalist is a movie I didn't expect to love as much as I did. I did. I saw it at the Kamloops Film Society downtown and didn't ex- didn't expect to give it a didn't expect to give it a 5, but I had to. It was exceptionally good. Belfast. That's the one I was missing. That was the one you were missing? Yeah. Okay. Belfast. Uh on your list? Nope. Yeah, okay. Um, directed by Kenneth Branagh, written by Kenneth Branagh, starring Jude Hill, Louis McCaskey, um, and a bunch of others. Uh, a Metascore of 75. The plot, a young boy in his working-class Belfast family experienced the tumultuous late 1960s. That's a terrible plot description. Um, there's a, a quote that I have gone to time and time again uh, from, I think, William Faulkner, that I often talk about writing. He says, 
and actually this is something that George R. R. Martin has stolen for Game of Thrones as well. Uh, they say the human heart in conflict with itself is the only thing worth writing about. I feel that so strongly about Belfast. This is a movie that spoke to me on a level I didn't expect it to. This is a movie about a family choosing together whether they want to risk their lives and the lives of their children to live in a place where their ancestors lived and died, the place where damn near every person they've ever known or heard of has lived the bulk of their lives. And with that heavy subject matter, I wouldn't expect this movie to be brimming over with wit and charm the way that it is. Given the heavy decision-making that this family has to go through and the horrible time period that this movie takes place in, I really like the optimistic look that this movie has. Maybe optimistic is, is the wrong word. It, it just decides to focus on different things than you would expect an Oscar movie to focus on. It doesn't get caught up in the blood and the gore and the shooting and the bombings and everything like that. It focuses on the family. It focuses on the bond that these people all feel for each other and the the heartbreak of the idea that this family could be separated by this sort of conflict. Um, Dame Judi Dench and Kieran Hines are chef's kiss delightful together as the elder members of this family. They're both so kind and so wise and loving. They remind me of my own grandparents, and I think they're the sweetest people that, <laughs> that have been on screen this year, well, with some exceptions. Um, Kenneth Branagh has said in interviews that this movie was made about his childhood, and it really is a movie made with love, and you can feel that, and he feel you can feel the love that he feels for all of the characters on the screen in this movie at least i did um this is one of the best looking movies of the year um the riots at the beginning uh set the expectation you're about to see just an emotionally devastating movie full of despair and hopelessness and instead we get a movie about love made with love and i was so emotionally touched by belfast in a way i didn't expect to be and i was floored i was floored by this movie and i thought it was excellent this is the one I was 95% sure was mm -hmm. on there. Yeah. <clears throat> I knew that you liked this movie. I didn't know you liked it this much mm -hmm. to be number three. Yeah. I really like this movie as well. It didn't, it didn't connect with me emotionally like the way I expected it to. Mm -hmm. And that surprised me considering everything and considering how well the movie is made. I don't know why it didn't. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood for that kind of movie when I watched it. <clears throat> which is sad because this movie is worthy of all of its n mm. it's worthy of all of its nominations except for two acting ones. Mm. I don't think Siren Hines or Judy Dench are worthy of their supporting roles. I, love both of them. I know you <laughs> don't I'm not saying that they're bad. Yeah. But like there's some supporting performance especially in the male side like Jesse Plemons shouldn't have been nominated for best supporting actor for No for sir, Power he should not dog. have. And neither should have um, our boy J.K. Simmons for uh, being the Ricardos. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So mm -mm. it's not a bad performance, but it... anyways, not, not not quite your tempo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Belfast spectacular film, beautifully shot. Yes, beautifully shot. Mm -hmm. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah, the themes of family and stuff like that. I agree. I love that it focuses on the family and not on the violence of the troubles. And uh, this is just a really incredibly well-made movie that for some reason didn't connect with me as much as I thought it would. And that saddens me because I everything about this movie is great. There's, I don't have any complaints, but it obviously just didn't 
get me here enough mm -hmm. for me to put it on my list but i love that it's on yours yeah this this one spoke to me this year i can't quite explain it you know how it is you yeah. watch a movie and it's just you know some it's it's greater than the sum of its parts for me like yep. it, like the sum of its parts is really good but something about it just went that extra mile for me i can't really explain it so that's a belfast number three for me manny your first podium pick my bronze medal goes to the movie that you and I were waiting two years to see. <laughs> the one that I had at number five. The one that you had at number five. My number three film is Dune. Mm -hmm. Directed by Denis Villeneuve, written by Eric Roth, Denis Villeneuve, and uh, John Spates, based off the Frank Herbert novel. Starring Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, and Jason Momoa, and a plethora of other incredible actors. Has a Metascore of 74. That is criminally low. Oh, what did you just do? I just ran over my toe with my fucking Ow. chair. <laughs> oh, I just saw your expression so suddenly change. Oh, that hurt. Ooh, baby. Power through, man. You got it. Wow. Feature adaptation of Frank Herbert's science fiction novel about the son of a noble family entrusted with the protection of the most valuable asset and most vital element in the galaxy. You're going to make it? Denis, yeah. <laughs> Denis Villeneuve is in my top five favorite directors. Possibly unlike this film just outside the podium it's probably number four good call <laughs> just outside every film he has done continues to be one of my favorites of the year with the exception of his first major film enemy which i didn't see until maybe last year the year before mm -hmm. so i can't quite cut it can't remember if i gave enemy a three or a four right now mm -hmm. But Prisoners was probably my top three of the year. Followed by Sicario? Nope. Yes. No? Yes. Prisoners, Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner 2049. Why do I feel like I'm missing one? Why can't I think of it? Hold on. Let me pull up Villeneuve. Prisoners, uh... Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, Sicario. Is that it? That feels weird. I feel like I'm missing one. Denis Villeneuve, filmography. Okay, starting from... Enemy. Starting from Enemy, so there's Prisoner. Prisoners as well. Sicario, Arrival. Arrival. Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Dune. Dune. Okay, so I'm not missing one. Yep, there's a bunch of those, like, Incendius, Polytechnique, Maelstrom, but those are all... Yeah, yeah. Th those are uh, Canadian films he made. Yeah. One of them is on that um, that um, Massacre of the Women in Montreal that killed 13... That killed 13 uh, I think it was I think it was a feminist group or a, or a women's support group or something like that. Oh, I, I remember I was alive when that happened, and it's a movie about that. So it's one that I would love to watch because it's by Villeneuve. Yeah, well, yeah, I think it's probably Polytechnic. Uh, the film is based on the 1989 Ecole Polytechnique massacre. Yep, that's it. Yep. Yikes. Um, Villeneuve is a fucking artist. His films are beautiful. They have so many themes. They are exquisite to watch. And they're just a joy to be a part of. We are watching a new master of this craft show us what incredible skill he has. And yet again with Dune, he puts it on full display. He takes the huge risk tiny spoiler for doom but not really he takes the huge risk of not telling the whole story knowing that part two was not guaranteed 
it got greenlit after it came out when they got the reception. Now, the box office wasn't that big, but the numbers that they could see that we couldn't were how many people got to watch it on HBO Max down in the States for free. Yeah. Air quotes. Air quotes free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Keeping in mind also that when this movie was released, uh, we were right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. Plenty of movie theaters, those those that were open were operating at partial capacity. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the reduced ticket sales is no surprise, certainly. The epic scope that he put in here... The world again, the world building, something that you and I like to throw around often. But when we do, we're doing it for a reason because it's something that we find very important in the movies that we watch. And the world that Denis Villeneuve builds with Dune is mesmerizing, letting us know how the world works, the people within that world, and the visual representation of their environment was a fucking delight. I really tried to squeeze in a rewatch of this prior to doing this list. I just couldn't do it because the movie's so long. Mm-hmm. I had to prioritize some other things. But this movie is fucking eye candy yet again. And re-listening to our, I can't remember what year it is. It, well, it had to be the 2019 because that's what the movie's supposed to come out in 2020. Yeah. We were actually upset that Deacons wasn't shooting this movie. Yeah. And, but then I look into Greg Frazier's filmography and he shot zero dark 30 and some other films. And I was like, Oh, okay, well he's in good hands. Mm, he's probably going to win an Oscar this year. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is fucking gorgeous. Everything, all the, as they like to say, all the below the line things in this movie, cinematography, production design, special effects, all of that. This movie is going to be like, I feel this weekend is going to be similar to Mad Max Fury Road. It's going to win all the below the line awards. Hmm. Villeneuve did not get a best director nomination. Travesty. I think a bit of a snub. Um, but this is the this is the, he's the kind of filmmaker that it's basically inevitable that he's going to pull one in if he continues to do this kind of work. It's amazing to me, honestly, that he hasn't. Yeah, but. You know, I'm I'm sure if we went up and compared each year, we would find uh, a surefire winner that wound up taking home the hardware. Um, Chalamet just continues to impress me. Speaking of biggest rising stars on the planet, yeah, and, and people who were in Little Women. Chalamet, what's the what's the comparison? I can't I can't I fuck I can't think of one. But the two we were talking about, we have Florence Pugh and Saoirse Ronan on the female side. On the male side, I don't think we quite have the same thing, but these were the two names I was going to pull. We have Tom Holland mm. and Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, that's a good pull. Tim, uh, Tom Holland, he's going to be—he's like Tom Cruise. But he's going to be a big action movie star, you think? I think he's going to be a big action movie star, but I think Tom Tom Holland's going to—he's going to ride this popularity has and continue to do kind of more popular movies, sprinkled in with a couple kind of prestige projects like we tried with um the devil inside us or uh the the devil inside all the yeah okay. I, th- I think it's uh, devil all the time the devil all the time Thank devil you. all the time um where he took a chance and tried a role that isn't quite him and he was fine in it he was good uh pattinson was better yeah speaking of people who are yeah. just at their peak right Jason now Jason clark was good in that yeah. movie too the movie was worse than the performances big time or put a different way the performances were better than that movie deserved big time so, basically, I, I think 
Holland is going to use his early part of his career to build up his superstardom so that later when he starts to mature more, he can transition into taking more risks. Mm-hmm. Chalamet, and this is going to sound pretentious because I'm talking about a, a, a fucking sci-fi epic. Chalamet is an artist. Chalamet, I think, is the next DiCaprio. I think he's the kind of person where when he picks a project, we're going to be like, oh, he picked this. It's probably good. He was in The French Dispatch, which is a Wes Anderson movie. Everybody wants to work with Wes Anderson. I personally don't like Wes Anderson that much. I don't think I've ever ranked a Wes Anderson movie above a three. Yeah, I'm not. But I've only seen like three or four, I want to say. Rushmore would probably be a four or five for me. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums, I think I gave a four. I need to rewatch it. I remember not liking it. Mm. And The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, I hated. Mm. Chalamet is when he picks something, I'm probably going to make sure I try to watch it. He is absolutely fantastic. And Mm. it's interesting because he's visually different from actors that I'm used to. He's not traditionally handsome. And yet when you see him on screen, you can't help but stare. He's... So I think I'm using this phrase correctly. He's something of a sex symbol right now, is he not? Like he, I, would, I think so. Yeah, you're asking a 46 year old man who's not on, into men. <laughs> well, not into men, but like I don't follow TikTok or no. Yeah. What my my is. understanding is that this this is you know like a sex symbol right now, but uh, I could be wrong about that. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Oscar Isaac's is. He's got to be in my top 10, if not my top five favorite actors working today. We love that guy every time he's on screen, right? Yes. Except for one movie he was in this year. <laughs> I never watched Did it. Did you? Oh, that was just a piece of... Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> That's making a lot of lists. Why, though? It makes me want to watch it. Okay. The Card Counter, I'm just going to say it by name. The Card Counter is a bad movie. It's a bad movie. All right. And it's shocking to me that so many people like it. Oscar Isaac is the best part of it. Okay. He is. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. But it's a bad movie. There's a movie with Oscar Isaacs in it that I am so desperate for you to watch. And it is. I'm desperately waiting for it to go back on a streamer because the moment it does, it's going in the Manny Movie Club. Mm. I'm 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 just telling you right now, I might rig the Manny Movie Club that the moment's on streamer, I'm I'm my name might pop up. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Um, Oscar Isaac is great. Rebecca Ferguson is awesome. Everybody in this movie is great. There's there's really, in my opinion, there's no weak spot of this movie. The weak spot of this movie is that it ends in a weird place. Yeah. Um it really this movie really is Dune Part One. It wasn't released on that title, but uh I think I think the opening title card has it as Dune Part One, correct? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't advertised as Dune Part One. No. I remember sitting down in the theater and title card Dune. Part one, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I have the same note. I, the reason that this isn't higher is because it's an incomplete story. And that's an intentional choice by Villeneuve. He felt that there was enough material here that he needed to expand it into two movies, which, I mean, the man is an artiste, and I trust him to the ends of the earth if that's the decision he wants to make. But the movie does suffer just because it doesn't have an ending. Question. Yet. Sure. Is part of the fact that we didn't know we were getting a part two lead you to feel that that it's a part one as a detriment? Maybe. Because 
you could playing devil's advocate mm. you could say the same thing about the first lord of the rings movie but we knew yeah two and three were coming so i 100 percent understand because at the end of the fellowship i was like oh god i want more mm-hmm. but i knew the other one was coming we did we when dune came out we saw it in theaters part two had not been greenlit yeah um that that's tough i think that's part of it uh i'm just gonna kind of run with a thought here uh, if we're using the fellowship comparison mm-hmm. by the end of fellowship of the ring sorry spoiler if you haven't seen one of the most popular movies of all time um frodo does have a contained character arc in that movie like i think his his personal journey in that movie is coming to the realization that like i have to carry this burden alone with samwise Gamgee. but i have to like this is this is my burden and the, the fellowship is not going to work like this is this is my burden to carry alone and i can't risk tempting the rest of these people that movie is him making that realization i don't get that same sense of a completed arc for our protagonist in this movie not to the same degree okay anyway i was gonna i was gonna, like i was gonna I was going to push back on that. Yeah, there, there the same, is an arc. To, to the same degree, I can agree. Yeah, there is certainly an arc, and I don't want to imply that there isn't. And I think the characterization in this movie on uh, not just Paul, but on many of the characters is quite good. But we it, it doesn't it doesn't leave you in the same satisfying spot. Even though you're yeah. left wanting more in Fellowship, I still feel like our protagonist has a clear beginning and end point. Not as much the case for Paul. Fair. Which is fine. Um, By the way, what does it say about Denis Villeneuve where... His movie finishing fifth on my year-end list and third on yours is arguably, like, the biggest disappointment of the year. Hmm, <laughs> no. No, there's there's some other ones? Disappointment? Yeah. I'd have to sit down and think about it. Yeah, and we will. I don't think episode. Dune being my third favorite movie of the year would be a disappointment. Yeah, I guess not. I don't know. I mean, you and I both had this as our most anticipated for two years straight because mm-hmm. of pandemic-related things. I don't know. It was... I'm not disappointed in Dune. I had a great time. I've seen it twice, and I had a great time both times that I watched it. But like you said, I, I'm left wanting more, and my curiosity is definitely peaked for for part two. And oh god, 2023 <laughs> when it comes out. I know. <sighs> All right. All right. That's my number three. Mm-hmm. We're now down to the top two. So you're fairly certain you know my top two, and I'm pretty sure that you do as well. It's just a matter of the order. Yeah. Sam, what's your number two? I want to see if I got it right. Okay. My number two is technically not a movie movie, but Manny and I discussed it beforehand. We agreed that it would uh, it would be eligible for the list, and I would feel dishonest not including this on my list because it's one of the best things that I watched this year for reasons including how cinematic it is. Uh, this is Bo Burnham's comedy special, Inside. Directed by Bo Burnham, written by Bo Burnham, starring Bo Burnham. Uh, no meta, no meta score for this, so I'll just uh, I'll make reference back to the stats that we put at the beginning. My average was out of nine, not out of ten, because this one just doesn't have a meta score attached to it. Uh, the plot: a musical comedy, uh, a musical comedy special shot and performed by Bo Burnham alone over the course of a very unusual year. So this is a bit of a cheat, uh, but god damn it, I'm gonna talk about it anyway. Um, Bo Burnham is a genius. I've made no secret of my very high opinion of him in previous installments of the show. He, I've followed him as a comedian since his days on YouTube. 
And of course, he wrote and directed a movie that is on on my top 20 of all time. That's eighth grade. Um, (laughs) At this point in time, it's the only movie that he's written and directed, which is insane to me. I need more from him. I recommended this for my dad to watch. As a matter of fact, I've recommended this for many people to watch. But um, when I recommended it for my dad and he watched it, he came back to me and said, it's really more performance art than comedy. And I think he meant that as a negative thing, but but I actually I couldn't agree more. And it, calling this a comedy special is like calling an iPhone a phone. It's to call it to call it that is to sell it short of what it really is. It's equal parts comedy special, diary, video blog, narrative, psychological thriller, social satire, and a zillion other things, all packed into an hour and a half. Um, as evidence or as uh, referenced at the beginning of this, Bo created this entirely in his room during the course of the pandemic it's all him the writing the direction the lighting the acting the music as far as i know all of the mixing and mastering on the tracks is all him (laughs) the man is so insanely multi-talented that it is worth it to watch this movie simply to be in awe at an act of creation by one single genius and one single visionary Um, i think there's something in this for everybody it is quite funny, but honestly, there there are certain aspects of it that uh, you know transcend comedy in my enjoyment of it. There's a song called "Welcome to the Internet," which is just such a succinct description of how the internet is both beneficial and insidious and gets in people's heads, and how it is both a tool and a weapon. And the presentation of this, he, he's kind of playing a character during this during this particular song. Uh, he's kind of playing like a snake oil salesman type of character, and it just works <laughs> super well. Um, the presentation of this is is very good, and you can tell that this man is a uh, already at age thirty. Um, I th- think probably thirty one or thirty two at the time of recording this, but at the time of creating Inside, he was thirty years old. And you can tell already at 30 years old what a gifted filmmaker this man is because of all the cinematic language that he's using to include and choosing to include in this special. So um, I have watched Inside probably about five times. Uh, it's only about an hour and a half. It's an easy watch. At this point, it's become like a turn it on in the background while I do other thing sort of thing. And I've listened to the soundtrack like, I don't know, dozens of times. <laughs> I listen to the soundtrack for this regularly. The music is great and funny and cutting and also very serious and humbling and introspective. Um, I think it's a it's a phenomenal piece of art, and I highly recommend it to anyone. I know Manny hasn't seen it at this point in time, um, but I uh, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Uh, Bo Burnham's Inside is my number two of the year. For the second straight year, I haven't seen your number two. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. For the second straight year, you've chosen something besides a traditional film. A traditional film. Yeah. Last year, it was a documentary with Dick Johnson is Dead. This year inside. Yeah. Now, like you said, uh, after some discussion, uh, I, quote unquote, allowed this movie to be eligible. Yeah. Now, it wasn't until I started re-listening to our <clears throat> top tens of previous, I really shouldn't have even had a moment. Of, not that I had a moment of hesitation. Uh, what I did check is that I've I've made it sound like there's a big debate off air or anything. Yeah. It really wasn't like that. It was just like yeah. there was a question. This isn't really a movie movie, so yeah. there was a question whether it would be allowed. The thing us. I the thing I checked is that this was eligible for the Emmys, which is for TV. 
But last year we allowed Mangrove. Yeah. Which was up for the Emmys. Mm-hmm. So the when it comes to feature length films, um, the line is starting to blur significantly because of streamers. So I'm much more open to the idea of including these type of projects mm-hmm. into the silly rules of our podcast. So uh, I'm really glad. Um, I'm really glad it's on here because, in all honesty, I don't think this would have been proper representation of your favorite films of the year without this on this. I would have had to include it in the honorable mentions, but that wouldn't have felt like enough. Yeah, similar. Like I had the last duel on last year, mm. which is not a feature length film. It's a multi-episode documentary on on the sports team but it was so good that i had to include it in my honorable mentions so that's where this uh, would have been. last duel was a film this year last dance is what you're thank you referring sorry to. about yeah. that yeah. um thank you for correcting me Whew, it's getting i'm tired and it's late and we've got another episode to record after this <laughs> that one will go by quick yeah i'm not even worried about it <clears throat> uh but i'm i'm very happy that this is on on here for you mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if I'm going to check this out. I I want to because it's something that, you, that is so important to you and you're so passionate about it. And mm-hmm. I know your love and appreciation of Bo Burnham. I, I can tell you right now, you won't find the appreciation for it that I do. Certainly not on the same level. And I wouldn't expect you to. I, I think you'd, you would find something to like in it for sure. I think what I would, I from what you've described to me mm-hmm. on the few times that you've talked about this, I think what I would appreciate is the skill and the artistic craft that he has presented in his presentation. Yeah. Part I, of my appreciation for this is the awe I get. I'm like, wow, this guy just did everything on his own. Yeah. And it's amazing to me. I think that's probably, I, I know that I would find that part of it entertaining, whether or not mm-hmm. I find what he presents entertaining. I'm not sure. I've never watched any of his specials. My best guess is it would be, uh, case by case. I, I think there are certain uh, songs and bits in here that you would really enjoy, and I think there's some that would probably either be over your head or just not your speed. Yep. I think it would be case by case for you. So uh, yeah. I have this on my watch list, mm-hmm. and only because of you. Mm-hmm. And so eventually I'm hoping I'll get around to it. Cool. <clears throat> That's your number two. My number two of the year. Manny, your silver medalist. My silver medalist. Is your number four. Spider-Man. No. Way. Home. Directed by John Watts. Written by Chris McKinnon and Eric Summers. Starring Tom Holland, Zendaya, Benedict Cumberbatch, and William Defoe. Has a Metascore of 71. Plot. With Spider-Man's identity now revealed, Peter asks Doctor Strange for help. When a spell goes wrong, dangerous foes from other worlds start to appear. Forcing Peter to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. This movie was the smash hit of the year. So if you're one of the few people that haven't seen this, I am going to spoil some stuff that really isn't spoiling it, but technically is. Mm -hmm. So if you know nothing about Spider-Man No Way Home, which I would be astounded by at this point, (laughs) three or four months after its release, and you Mm -hmm. still know nothing about it, kudos to you because you obviously are not on social media, which means that I think you are the greatest person in the world. (laughs) So, but I, I am going to spoil, this is the only movie on this list that I am going to spoil because I need to be able to talk about some aspects of this movie that are technically spoilers. 
So spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home in 3, 2, 1, go fuck yourself. One of the things I love about this movie is the chemistry between the cast. Tom Holland, Zendaya, and I'm sorry, I forgot um, the guy. Uh, 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 Jacob Batalon uh, as Ned. Hmm. The chemistry between those three those three actors is unbelievable. It's fantastic. Um, I don't I don't follow this stuff, but I'm pretty sure that Tom Holland and Zendaya are dating. I believe so, yes. So their chemistry is obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, I have... I have seen some behind the scenes and some uh, when they're doing the marketing campaign for it that Ned was always with them, um, and they have great banter off screen as well. That's great. So I th- I think either either some real friendship was built between uh, Jacob and Tom, or such incredibly great um, experiences doing these three films together has led them to have this great. Um, work relationship. So either way, if they are friends in real life because of me, obviously meeting on on the first one, and they've grown to become friends, or they just have an incredibly great working relationship. Either way, it fucking shows up on screen, and that alone isn't even some of the best chemistry on screen. We have, which was built in previous MCU films. We have great chemistry between Tom Holland and Benedict Cumberbatch playing Doctor Strange. Great chemistry there. Wait, does Tom Holland have great chemistry with everybody? I'm trying to think. I think of... he's just a charismatic dude. I he's, think he he is. I've I've said. That, I'm sorry to cut you hmm. off. I really feel he is this generation's Michael Michael J. Fox. Yeah, just someone you fucking love. He's just fucking just adorable. an instant burst of energy yes. into anything he's in. Yeah. And this is where the spoiler comes in, because the chemistry between Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire, who show up as the other Spider-Man from the previous incarnations of the Spider-Man in the, in the movies, their scenes together are why this movie is at number two. If those two guys weren't in this movie, if they, this whole movie was exactly the same, if they'd even pulled the villains from the other one, but those two characters were not in this movie, this would not be at number two. Mm-hmm. It's their scenes, both the comedic, the shockingly dramatic and the action scenes are so incredibly well realized and so incredibly well put together that this movie, I was pretty sure I was going to like this movie because the Spider-Man movies have been really enjoyable and very entertaining for me. This took it to another level. Now, being older, and of course, my age isn't that big of a deal when it comes to this, I really feel that filmmakers and perhaps even well actually even and i can give an example of a tv they're really starting to pull at nostalgia oh yeah big time 100 percent. and i've heard it called weaponized nostalgia it is and i'll be fully honest it works on me yeah i didn't expect i when i saw it on opening weekend i was 99% sure that Toby and Andrew were in the movie. It had not been confirmed except by the people that had already seen it. You can actually find clips of Andrew denying that he's in the movie. Yeah, and, and they're so fun to watch after the fact. I've watched watch. a few of those compilations. They're very fun. <laughs> so I knew that they were going to be there. What I didn't anticipate was the excitement and the emotional weight 
of seeing them would bring me. And I, I'm one of those people in those fan reaction videos that you see in the theater. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people yelling and clapping, especially for Andrew Garfield. I would just love to completely spoil all the great moments of this movie because of how great it was, but I will leave that because we don't want to spoil too much. Also, fuck, we did three Marvel reviews this year, and the only one we didn't do was No Way Home. Because it came out at Christmas. Because it came out at Christmas, and we, we you know, we have families and lives and jobs, and jobs that get jobs. that gets super busy around Christmas time. So we just we just couldn't make it work to do a review for this movie, which is a super bummer because it was the best one yeah. of the four. Yeah. The villains are really well done. Sadly, there's too many of them. Um, Something that I call, not just because it's the same property, but I call it Spider-Man 3 syndrome. When a movie has too many villains going on in a movie. Now, the good thing is that they focus on the ones they should. Yeah, my God. Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin, uh, even better than the original. Yes menacing as fuck really shows why the green goblin is basically spider-man's main villain Mm -hmm. absolutely i think i i would have to think in my mind william defoe as he found out he was going to be in this movie rewatched the first one he's like kind of went a little campy if i turn down the camp and turn up the menace Mm -hmm. this might work even better and it does. And it really fucking does. The The way that he is able to contort his face to communicate that he's two different people is, you know, it reminds me of, I hate to make this comparison, <laughs> I think you know where I'm going. It reminds me a lot of Jim Carrey and his rubber face. Oh, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't going to go there. I, mm. I had a, I had a better one for me. Yeah, what's up? Andy Circus. Uh. Motion cap, the scene with Schmeagel. Yeah, okay, okay. In, I think it's, it's in Two Towers. Yeah, when he's kind of back and forth between Schmeagel and Gollum. Yep. Okay, that's a great comparison. But yeah, the way he is able to communicate just with his facial features that he's two different people is super cool. <laughs> yeah. The return of Doc Ock was something everyone was excited for. Mm-hmm. Again, sadly, that was revealed in the trailers was Doc Ock was back. That was about the only thing here that was spoiled for me. If my memory serves me right, and it's amazing to me that I already can't remember this because it was only a few months ago at the time mm-hmm. of recording, but I think that I did not know that... Uh, that uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were in this movie. I think oh, I did not know what that. What a delightful treat that must have been. Then. Yeah, yeah. I uh, when when you see Spider Man kind of down the alleyway. Yeah. I, I guess I, I can't. <laughs> like when he's introduced. Oh my god! I instantly just knew and was just giddy. I was giddy. Yes. This this is the the movie that Spider Man nerds are just like. This is the movie that comic book nerds have been waiting for, really. Yeah. You, I, I used the word, uh, or the phrase, weaponized uh, nostalgia earlier. I'm going to throw another word at you. Intertextuality. It's just this thing that movies have got to do, kind of related to nostalgia, but just movies, this is kind of uh, spearheaded by the MCU, connections between movies, just connections between any properties possible, and references to other things, always. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's through actual plot connections, like in the MCU, or whether it's even uh, just Quentin Tarantino referencing other movies in his dialogue. Intertextuality is such a big part of modern filmmaking and modern TV. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie uses it so perfectly well. Yeah. Uh, referencing the other two Spider-Man properties, which 
knowing the off-screen drama about the Spider-Man character and about the ways that the rights have kind of been passed around to a bunch of different organizations and then given to somebody else and then withdrawn. It's just, it's like schoolboy drama. It's just, it's ridiculous stuff. The fact that they were actually able to coordinate this to get this to happen is an achievement. It's a, it's a, like, it's a, it's a legal achievement. First of all, they were able to actually settle on being able to get these characters all in the same movie. Um, Seeing all three of these characters together is not only a triumph in terms of, you know, the actual logistics of getting it done, the fact that they're then actually able to have these three characters feel distinct from each other, but interact in a way that they bond over their similarities is just a stroke of genius and makes me want to fucking cry. Yes. It's so beautiful. There's a scene on the Statue of Liberty of the three of them all together talking which is it literally makes me want to cry just even talking about it. it's so beautifully written uh and <laughs> so referential and so meta and uh, i don't know this this movie just was everything i wanted it to be in more um this this movie vastly exceeded my expectations i when we talked about the other two Marvel movies that we talked about, Shang-Chi and Black Widow, I said the third act problems really reared their ugly head. This is what happens when the MCU knows what to do in the third act. The, th- the final battle scene in this movie is just emotional and beautiful, and all the characters are utilized properly. Yep. It's great, and they do it so well. Yeah. And God damn it, is this a good movie. I gave it a four, and when I gave it a four, you were like, really? It's a slam dunk five. Ugh, it's probably a probably a five it's probably a five awesome it's great um yeah i don't have much more to say on uh on spider-man no way home yeah me neither all right before we reveal our number one (laughs) we do have to mention our honorable mentions Mm -hmm. sam what are some movies that just didn't quite make your top 10. Yeah, so I did have a few that I thought could have made it, but in the end uh, just fell short. Uh, in no particular order, uh, my honorable mentions were Encanto, Spencer, Count Me In. Spencer? Oh, never mind. Okay. What? Nope. Okay. I just think of Spencer Confidential. I'm like, are you uh, fucking kidding no, me? Spencer, like the the, <laughs> the one about Princess Diana. You liked it? Yeah, I gave it a three. I mean, it was, I thought it was pretty good. All right. Yeah, it's well shot. Uh, Count Me In, a documentary on Netflix about drumming. Uh, oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, Quiet Place Part 2, which uh, some of you listening may be saying, hey, isn't that a 2020? It premiered at a festival in 2020, but it actually had its theatrical release in 2021, so we're considering it 2021. And then another one I watched this week was Come On, Come On, which I thought was a movie that had a lot of heart and was well made, but ultimately fell short. I didn't like Come On, Come On. Yeah, I know. You gave it a two, right? No, I gave it a three. Did you? Yeah. Oh. Reluctantly. Reluctant three. Wow, Spencer. No, not for me. Did you give Spencer a two? Two. Really? Yeah. Huh. And I don't think that... Well, I shouldn't say that. Kristen Stewart deserves the nomination. She deserves a nom. If she wins, I'm, gonna be, I'm not going to be fucking She's happy. She's not going to win. Come on. Hope my girl wins this year. <laughs> we'll might, see. Might be my... That, that is the only... In all honesty, that is the only race that is wide open. Okay. in my opinion, is Best Actress. I, I honestly don't know who's going to win, and that is fucking exciting because most of the time, I'm pretty fucking sure I know who's going to win. Yeah. Are we going to be doing uh, Oscar ballots or uh, or pools that's, or anything? That's not my thing. That's no, not, not your thing? Not not my thing. Wes has got shit running Yeah. if if he wants to organize something, but I, I... It's not your thing. No. That's cool. I, uh, 
I Manny organized will... too much for you guys fucking already. Yeah. So, someone else can do the Oscar balance. Yeah. Come on, Manny. Get it going. What's I going? actually... I'm, well, let's talk about this right now. Yeah. Unless you had... Nope. I, I did cut you off. No. Nope. I had an idea for an Oscar game. I just don't have the time to organize it. Mm. But I'm going to tell it to you here on air. Oh, okay. You can let me know if you think it's a good idea because maybe I can organize it for next year. Okay. It's very similar to an Oscar ballot, but it's more like a draft. Mm. So I think I was going to cap it at five people. And you get... Depending on how many people we have... You can have, I was going to think like five or six picks. So as an example, you, you, you get to pick, we'll keep it at five. Five people get five picks. And you can pick whatever you want, but it's done in a draft order. So you can pick out of all the categories, you get one pick on what you think is going to win. So if I had first pick, I would go with the first pick. I would go, I'm taking Will Smith for best actor. Oh, uh, like the lockiest yeah. lock. So now... Nobody else can take Will Smith. Mm -hmm. So if they think he's going to get an upset, they can take one of the other four best actors. But if you're like, that's a lock, you're not going to pick anybody else in that in that category. Mm -hmm. So your your next you'll you 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 could go. I'm going Ariana DeBose De De and, yeah. and best supporting actress. Mm -hmm. Now she's off the board. Right. So now if everybody else thinks that's a lock, nobody's going to select any of the other. And is it only top six categories? Is no, it's across the entire thing. Okay. So, so if I thought for certain that, say, Flea was going to win Best Documentary, yep. like, I could just be like, Flea, Best Documentary, Flea no, doc no question. But you only get Flea and Best Documentary. Yeah. Still, Some, Yeah, somebody can take Best International and somebody can take, yes. uh, I always forget the other one that it's up for. Animated. Animated feature. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I like this game. That way you're not, you're not pick, we're all not pick, we might not have, for all we know, we could all have the same picks in every category. But mm -hmm. with this game, when you pick something, it's off the board. Right. So if. So if someone's like, well, I don't, I'm gonna go with an upset. I'm, gonna, I, I think Denzel's gonna win for Tragedy of Macbeth. I'm like, well, that's a bold pick. Yeah, but if you get it, you get it. Mm -hmm. So that was just an idea I had to make it different than yeah. the traditional Oscar ballot. That that is a, a good idea. Hmm. Just something worth fun. exploring for the future. I like okay. that. We, we'll hang on to that. Put a pin in that for next year. All right. My my uh my is it my? Turn? You are up for honorable mentions, good sir. My honorable mentions are. Encanto. Yeah. Both fell short. I, I had that at number 11. I think I need to rewatch that. It was the last cut. Yeah. I, from, yeah, I had that uh, I had that last cut as well. I would have loved to have... Uh, actually, it was on my list until I watched West Side Story. So, yep. didn't quite make it. Uh, I love Encanto. Yeah. I, uh, I liked it, and I think I will like it more. I think it was one of those ones I wasn't in the right mind space for it when I watched it. Yeah, I remember you not being that... Enthralled. I, I remember just being like, yeah, like everything was great. Whatever. <laughs> I think I need to rewatch Encanto. I didn't give it a fair shake. Uh, the harder they fall. Don't know it. Uh, Western hmm. with an African-American cast. Cool. Really stylized. Really fucking fun. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Okay. Great cast. Great cast. Yeah. In the Heights. Mm -hmm. Based off the Lin-Manuel Miranda Broadway play. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've heard of this. This is the kind of movie you'll put on when you're like, I need to feel good. Mm. In the Heights, the music is obviously great. Performances are fine. It's just a movie that was so much fun. I can't wait to watch this again. The Last Duel, not The Last Dance. Nice. The Last Duel, uh, Ridley Scott, uh, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Adam Driver, and Jodie Comer, who I was almost positive was going to get a best actress nomination mm -hmm. uh but didn't um very violent 
very good movie hmm. that surprised it didn't get more recognition this year. But yeah, I, uh, I've heard really good things, and I kind of wish that I would have paid money to watch this. It's the kind of movie that I, I feel like I should be supporting, and I, I didn't see it. I'm kind of bummed about it. Yeah. Cool. And last one's the Mitchells versus the Machines. Yeah. Ah, I wish that would have made it on your list, but yeah. yeah. The movie's a lot of fun. It's it a lot of fun. Number one. Okay. Which brings us to number one. Now. Now, <laughs> you said when you were previewing this, you're like, let's get let's get on to our number one. And then you threw the plural in there last minute. That was, that was slick. That was a pretty slick maneuver. I liked that. Sam, I made a prediction. I wrote it down on here because I was going to lift it up. Manny currently has his hand on a notebook. I was That's face down. I, I always can't see like any to, on it. I always like to try and predict mm-hmm. what Sam's number one will be. I, I already <laughs> knew that this would be Manny's. And at this point, Manny knows that for sure what mine is as well. We, for the second year in a row, we do have the same number one. Third year in a row. What was 2019? Um, I had uh, I had Jojo Rabbit uh, 2019, didn't Did I? Did not. Did Both I? Both have... of us had Endgame. Okay. I guess I had Endgame. All right. I got it wrong. Ah, ha, ha. Manny's holding up a sheet of paper that says Bo Burnham inside on it. That's incorrect, sir. Incorrect. Incorrect. Sam, what is your number one movie? My number one, Manny, is in fact your number one as well for the second year in a row. Last year it was Palm Springs. This year, the brilliant movie Coda, directed by, I think it's pronounced uh, Cyan? Sean. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Manny's mouthing the word Sean. Uh, directed by Sean Heater, written by Sean Heater and Victoria Betos, starring Amelia Jones, Marley Matlin, Troy Kotsur. Uh, Metascore of 74. That's criminally low. The plot, as a coda, which stands for child of deaf adults, Ruby is the only hearing person in her deaf family. When the family's fishing business is threatened, Ruby finds herself torn between pursuing her love of music and wanting to go to Berkeley College of Music and her fear of abandoning her parents. This movie made me cry harder than any movie has in recent memory. <laughs> Holy shit, I sobbed. In like the last third of this movie, I just didn't stop crying. And when I tell people that, they think it's sad, and it's not. It's not. So I have recommended this movie to many people. Anyone who would listen, I have said, watch Coda. Watch Coda, watch Coda, watch Coda. But I haven't had a very good pitch, I think, because they just think it's really sad. Um, it, it's not a sad feeling. It's one of emotional release, yes. for, for lack of a better term. It's pure, unadulterated joy and happiness for somebody. The, the movie comes in these kind of cycles of disillusionment and connection. Um, so for large portions of this movie, we're reminded blatantly and constantly that Ruby does not have an easy time relating to her family. She's the only hearing person in her family, as was laid out in the plot synopsis. And she is beginning to feel a little bit like she's outgrowing them. And she really wants to leave the nest in this movie. She wants to explore her own music career, something that her family, who has never heard music in their life, really is struggling to understand. And more and more, she's feeling like an outsider in this family. And that she's outgrowing these people who rely on her so heavily. So the magic of the movie comes from these moments of connection. The, the, the disillusionment that Ruby feels is so well set up. And, the, and the, <laughs> the gulfs between her and her family and their understanding 
they're, they're so vast and they feel so uncrossable and they feel so irreconcilable so that when we do have these moments of genuine connection between Ruby and her family, for all of the family nonsense that we're seeing and all the built-up frustration, it's these moments of connection that remind us these people are human, they're flesh and blood, and they fucking care about each other in spite of their differences. And it's those moments of connection that yes made me cry but also make coda such a magical movie in my opinion man you've been waiting patiently get a word in i've seen this movie three times i've cried three times only once for me believe it. like only one watch for me at this point i'm it's, i'm gonna need to rewatch it i watched this i happily got to rewatch this what day was it monday mm-hmm. sunday i can't remember but Mushhead needed she said she needed to watch a movie and i said Coda, Coda, Coda. Coda. And she's like, well, I don't have Apple Plus. I'm like, well, then come over here. And she's like, I'm on my way. Done. And I was like, oh, oh no, I get to watch Coda. My favorite, <laughs> my, my favorite movie of the year that I have been ringing its praises since the day I watched it. Mm-hmm. The sweetness of this movie just gets me. The chemistry between the entire cast, be it uh, Amelia and her family, Amelia and her best friend, uh, and Amelia and her music teacher, they all have great chemistry. The comedy in this movie is done really well. It's not slapsticky, and it's not at the expense, or the comedy's not there because of the family's disability. There are moments that are incredibly hilarious because of her parents being deaf, deaf, especially, I think I know the one you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> especially when her and, uh, what's his name are practicing, uh, at her house. Yeah. The kid from, uh, Sing Street. Yes. Who's also in this movie. Yes. Which is so funny because <laughs> he's doing a good job of hiding that Irish accent. Yeah. He's doing a really good job. Yeah. That's one of the notoriously <laughs> hardest accents to hide. <laughs> um, so the sweetness and the comedy are great. It's the drama that you were talking about that elevates this movie to another level mm-hmm. and the incredible ending, like you said, and not even just like the last scene we're talking about basically when the first concert starts. Yeah. That when I, I, I told you that when I first watched this, I started crying at the first time her family sees her perform, which is like half hour from the end of the movie. And I didn't stop. <laughs> And again, stop. it's not because the movie's sad. It's because the movie is so powerfully poignant. Mm-hmm. And seeing the connection being made just fills and your heart. Seeing the members of her family slowly have this aha moment. Like, they, they go from this, like, I, why would you want to do this over helping your own flesh and blood? And mm-hmm. this, like, this huge disconnect to that aha moment, that moment of connection that they have in that concert is beautiful and i feel like i want to cry just even talking about it so troy kotzer plays the dad mm-hmm. um frank rossi when you watch this movie again mm-hmm. i want you to really watch him during the first concert yeah because mostly marley maitland seen she's center frame mm-hmm. so you really you're watching her more if you watch troy kotzer because a little, not a spoiler, the scene following this when it's him and 
and Ruby outside on the truck. Oh my god! I'm gonna cry. Waterworks. I'm gonna cry. Fucking waterworks. That's the biggest cry moment of the scene or of the of the movie. Not for me. It's the final concert. Yeah. For me, it was the truck. <laughs> yeah. So we have basically three back to back scenes, back to back to back scenes that are just tear inducing, yeah. and all for the right reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Amelia Jones' singing is so amazing. Mm-hmm. I started listening to this soundtrack. Oh, why haven't I done that? I'm so dumb. They have a lot. They they have, uh, like all of her songs on there. <sighs> just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Troy Kotzer, it seems like he's probably going to win Best Supporting Actor this year. Which I'm so happy about. I'm so, I'm so happy about it. And there's an outside chance that Coda could win Best Picture. Oh, man. I it, it, I would fucking weep if Coda won Best Picture. It appears to be kind of really the only one that's actually threatening the power of the dog right now. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to believe it <laughs> because I'll be so disappointed if it doesn't happen. But it, right now, it appears to be Coda might be the only one that could pull off the upset. Mm-hmm. It might be my favorite Oscar moment if Coda pulls that off this weekend. Oh, man. I would be... I don't even want to put that out there. Yeah. I would be over-fucking-joyed if uh, Coda won Best Picture. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, my last note I have, and it's so fun. I didn't notice it until right now when I looked at it. It's exactly what you said. I have the last 30 minutes. Yeah, the last 30 minutes. I, I'm actually just realizing in all of our top 10s ever. Um, so we shared, uh, oh, I guess, no, three billboards outside of Missouri. On, was our, this is our fifth top 10. Holy fuck me. That's, and four of them we've shared the top. Yeah, we had three billboards outside of Missouri yeah. for the for the first one. So that actually, uh, that we did. I was going to say that we've never really had a movie in Oscar contention be one of those movies, but that's a lie because Three Billboards is that movie. But for the last two years, Palm Springs got no Oscar buzz. Nope. Uh, Avengers Endgame, no Oscar buzz. Nope. And then uh year before that was, uh, you had Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Our, our, oh, I was going to say, our two number ones, neither one of us had seen yet, but I had seen Eighth Grade. Yeah, uh, Into the Spider-Verse I hadn't seen, but since have and loved it. Yeah. Uh, and Eighth Grade, no Oscar buzz. So, like, this is the first time that we have seriously loved like loved loved one of these oscar nominees uh and we've had a chance to talk about it together before the ceremony if this somehow wins and i don't even want to get my hopes up for that but if it somehow does i like we would like jump for joy <laughs> yeah we might cancel the sampas and do a coda yeah just might a coda do, episode, might do Fuck. A coda episode. Can, we, can we do <laughs> if it wins we have to do a coda episode i mean we should do one eventually anyway but like, if it wins Best Picture, we should seriously just think about doing a Coda episode instead. If Coda, if Coda wins Best Picture, we're doing a Coda episode next week. Okay, fair. I'm done. We're doing I'm a down. Coda episode, and we'll push the Sampas. Yeah, fine. I don't know where I, I don't know how I'm gonna make it work. But we will. But I'll make it work. <laughs> Our schedule is airtight, but we will make it work if, for this yeah, movie. Yeah, if Coda wins Best Picture, we're pushing the Sampas. <laughs> I don't know when I'd have to. I'd have. We'd have to do it, but we'll have to. The samples would have to be a bonus. Yeah. Or oh no, you know what? Code is the bonus. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, I'll make it work. This this would have to be uh, like, uh, you and I are both the kind of people in our groups of friends. I think we are the kind of people. I can say as humbly as I can that people go to for movie recommendations. People people will come to us and say, "Hey, I'm looking at watching something tonight. What should I watch?" Coda has been that movie for me for like ever since it came out. Ever since I watched it the first time. Everybody who's asked me for a movie recommendation, it's been a 
there, there are very few movies I feel that are just blanket. I feel everybody should watch them. Coda's one. Yep. Coda is such an emotionally poignant movie. I think any anybody and everybody could get something out of watching this movie. And I implore you if you're listening and our glowing recommendation hasn't already made you turn off the podcast and go watch it for the first time, please do so now because I, this this movie was one of the most emotional experiences I have ever had watching a movie, period. I've pushed Coda nonstop since I saw it, constantly. Mm-hmm. Anybody, same thing. Anybody's like, hey, Manny, can you recommend a movie? I'm like, Coda. <laughs> coda, 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 Coda. That's literally what I put on. They're like, what's that? I'm like, it's a movie. It's on Apple Plus. I don't have Apple Plus. Okay, well, then I'll give you another recommendation. Yeah. But, like, I implore you to watch Coda. It's, like, and obviously we like it. It's both our number one. Not only is it our number one, it's just, it's exactly what my compatriot just said. It is a movie worth watching. Mm -hmm. It's It's not like Avengers Endgame was our number one. Where, you know, if somebody doesn't like the MCU, they're not going to like Adventures Endgame. Mm-hmm. This has something everybody can like. Please watch Coda. It's our number one. Yeah. Perfect. I, four I, out, I, of, five, I, four I, out I, of five years, we have to save this Yeah, one. that's great. We're such losers. <laughs> we really are. All right. Yeah. Time for the PFG list. Now, you may have heard us saying PFG. They're like, what the fuck's PFG? Well, it is a term that Sam has coined. That I have jumped on board because I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. It stands for past and future guests. As per tradition, some of our past and future guests have submitted their top 10 of the year. And I have compiled them. And if you are a, a PFG and you are listening to this, I want you to know right now I'm going to be judging your list solely on where Coda is placed on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First up, the young buck. Mr. Meineker. Mr. Meineker. Mr. Wes, don't call me Minneker, Meineker. (laughs) (laughs) Wesley's average Metascore for his films, 74.1. My God. You've compiled this for everyone, hey? Yeah. You're an animal. You're 76.3, hey? Nice. It's pretty good. So his 74.1, not quite as good as my 74.5. No, sir. All right. Number 10. For little Wesleyan. Ryan the Last Dragon. Haven't seen. It's too low. <laughs> Number nine. Black Widow. Yeah. Wes? Perfect placement. Perfect. A little high. Chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Wes's number eight film. Mm-hmm. Belfast. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, oh, you didn't even have Belfast in your honorable mentions, eh? No. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Okay. I may be alone in uh, in my enjoyment of that movie, but I stand by it, goddammit. Not lonely. It's on his li- number eight. It's on his list. Well, it's, in, it's almost a catchphrase of the show at, at this point, but it's a little low. <laughs> <laughs> his number seven is a movie that I, the more I think about it, the more I've enjoyed the memory of it. I only gave it a three. Tick, tick, boom. Yeah, and I'm, this is one I had on my notable omissions. Really bummed that I couldn't check it out. Yeah, really liked it. Wes's number six movie is Coda. I mean, come on. This might be the last time. I mean, time. Way, to, way, to, way to discredit yourself at number six. Might be the last time Wes is on the <laughs> podcast. Oh, yeah. Wes's number five film, The Last Duel. Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on. Oh, Movie here comes the cough. Yep. My God, you've been powering through this thing so well tonight, and I commend <laughs> you for it. I've only seen you cough into the mic a couple of times. Yeah. Of course, I also realized that 
I'm turning off my mic, but your mic is probably picking it up. Yeah, but I mean, way less. Way, way less. His number four film. A movie that you had a problem with. It's Licorice Pizza. I did have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And anybody who's seen it can probably at least guess what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't make my honorable mentions. Sure didn't. Love that movie. Hmm. Didn't make my honorable mentions. Weird. It actually sh- probably should have. Hmm. Whatever. Number three. Perfect placement for Dune. Excellent placement. His number two movie, perfectly placed. Spider-Man No Way Home. You guys share lists beforehand? What the hell? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. So what am I mi- What did he love this year that I missed? I, I don't know if I will get this. You will. His number one film is Bo Burnham inside. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. I'll, I'll give him this. It's no coda. <laughs> But it's a damn good pick. If it's not going to be Coda, very happy it's that. That's awesome. That's awesome, Wes. Okay. Respect. Wes, you, you should see the smile on his I face have, right now. I have reluctantly... I take back everything I ever said about you, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <coughs> Sorry. Couldn't get the thing in time. Uh, next up uh, is T-Bone, who didn't submit a list. That motherfucker. He didn't submit one? Nope. Ah, T-Bone. Nope. The guy who has no problem running his mouth about other people, his own opinion on other people's picks about anything, too scared to submit one of himself. Goddamn coward. Fuck you, you (laughs) big-nosed freak. (laughs) Next up, PFG all-time leader, Jordan. T-Bone appreciates the shout-out. Yeah, sure does. (laughs) Still laughing about it. All right, Jordan. (laughs) Make us proud. Make us proud. Jordan, with the highest average meta score. Damn. 78. Somebody watched all the Oscar movies. I know. Hold on. And did not put the tender bar on their list, I bet. Oh, shit. Looking for something meta score related right now at the moment? I was. I thought I had last year's highest meta score saved, but I don't. Man, you have all the nerdy stats going on. I do. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Jordan uh, was 78. Her number 10 film. You might think it's perfect placement. Shang-Chi. I don't think it's perfect placement. Oh, that's right. Number nine. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd block it up. That's okay. <clears throat> uh, number nine. Mm-hmm. Not going to be happy. Oh, no. It's Belfast. Yeah, I'm happy to see it's making people's lists. Yeah. I honestly, I've, I don't really... Belfast, let's say it's a personal pick. It's. Yeah. I don't expect other people to have it as high as I do. That's okay. Uh, number eight. A little low. Hmm. Sorry. West Side Story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> perfect number seven a movie that i really wished i could have liked but i didn't the tragedy of Macbeth. yeah i uh i didn't have this on my notable omissions but it is a notable omission just not one of the 10 most mm-hmm. and i uh wish i could have gotten to it but everything i read on reviews both from you and the group led me to believe i wasn't missing a lot are you are you a fan of shakespeare uh, I wouldn't say it like that. I your, wa- your hesitation means don't bother. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I enjoyed, uh, I think it was Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. Oh, okay. Yep. And then uh, Macbeth I watched and read in high school and was lukewarm on it. So I think I would get something out of it, but I, I, I'm, not, I'm not prioritizing it in any way. I'm going to say this. The tragedy of Macbeth is worth watching. 
I have easily probably a dozen films from this movie that I would recommend over it for you to watch. From this year? From this year. Yeah. Number six, the movie you haven't seen, Flea. Yeah. Oh, I really want to get to that. Yeah. Number five, kind of like in the placement here, even though it didn't make my list. Tick, tick, boom. Respect. Yeah. Uh, again, having not seen it, it's difficult to say, but from the trailers on Netflix, it strikes me as a Jordan movie. How so? I was just, I mean, quirky and musical and Andrew Garfield being happy. Just mm. seems like kind of thing Jordan would enjoy. So. Yeah. And I, I mean that in a positive way. I'm yeah, sure yeah, I, yeah. I hear it's a great movie. Number four. A little low. Coda. Boo. <laughs> God damn it. The PFG is letting us down. Fucking Jordan. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Number three. According to Sam, might be a little low. Bo Burnham inside. I love that it's making people's list, though. I'm loving this. Number two. Jordan. Nice. Dune. Whoa. I mean, it makes sense. She came on the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Love to see it here. <sighs> episode 180. And her number one movie. 2000. Oh, yeah. 21. Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Yeah. No. Way. Home. All right. Cool. All right. Next up. I think... I. I think we have at least a couple with Coda at number one, right? Yeah, me and you. Yeah. Next up. A couple others. To the surprise of nobody, didn't submit a list. Charts. <laughs> Which I think you predicted. I did. Yeah. I should have really fucking given him shit when he was here last week. Didn't you? I I'm think, pretty I sure I you, did. I think you called him out on it. Yeah, fucking asshole. Yeah. Fuck. All right. Now. Making her top 10 list debut, Mushhead. Yeah. Uh, I'm, Someone I'm... with brain damage can get this list in, <laughs> but Chards and T-Bone cannot. I'm not going to lie to you, Manny. I'm, I'm nervous for this. <laughs> <laughs> now, <clears throat> Mushhead's near the end here. Rounding out the group. Because... I probably enjoy picking on Mushhead more than I enjoy picking on Jordan. Which is, or on Rachel? Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking like. Yeah. Here we go. Mushhead, her top 10 debut. I may or may not take it easy on her, depending on how this list goes. Number 10, In the Heights. Uh, yeah, the Lin-Manuel Miranda one. Yeah, in my uh, honorable mention, so I can't, I can't. Can't shit on it. Can't shit on it. It's a little high. Number nine. <laughs> Number nine. Making another list. Tick, tick, boom. Cool. I got to check that one out. Yeah, yeah. Appears the PFGs are a fan of this movie. Mm -hmm. Number eight. The only time it makes a list. Luca. Interesting. I can't really falter. Luca was just fine. Just missed out on an honorable mention for me. Again, I only had about 28 movies, but. Yep. But yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm not surprised to see it on here. Yeah. From from Mushhead. Mm -hmm. Number seven. Shang-Chi. Cool. Respect. Yeah. So far, so good, Mushhead. Not anymore. Oh, no. Number six. Free Guy. Never saw it and don't really intend to. Are you a Ryan Reynolds fan? I think we went over this in the uh, the Ryan Ryan draft that we did. I'm not really. Then don't do it. Like Deadpool, sure. Waiting, sure. Other than that, yeah, don't do it. Pass. Pass on this. Cool. 
Was I entertained with Free Guy? I certainly was. Mm -hmm. Is there a moment that is worth the price of admission alone? Mm -mm. There is. Okay. There's one moment that is worth it. That is so... It's a fucking cameo. It's fucking awesome. Who could that be? I'll have to brainstorm that. I gave it it three stars. Mm -hmm. I probably gave it three stars because of the cameo. That's how good the cameo is. All right. Yeah, yeah. So... (laughs) Number five, didn't make our list, but made our honorable mentions in Kanto. Yeah, it was, uh, I think, both of our, we said both of our last minute cuts. Yep. So cool. Yep. Number four, my movie that I gave five stars to, but didn't make my top list, Hmm. top of the list, Raya and the Last Dragon. Right. Fucking love that. Her number four. Mushhead's number three film, Podium. Highest so far, Coda. Wow. Okay. So far, so good, Mushhead, honestly. Coda jumps to number three in one viewing one week prior. Well, actually, mere days before I'm reading this aloud. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad she came over because now it's on her list. Good. Number two, a movie that, did I watch it with her? She must have come to the theater with me. Spider-Man No Way Home. Perfect placement. This is a respectable list. It is. It's a I respectable know. list. I know. Solid first edition. And then, okay, number one. Number one. Surprised me, which is horrible, because I went and saw this with her. Mm. And I forgot that she was there. <laughs> Who's the mush head now? Mm. Dune. Really? Yes. Mush head. I that's know. A, it's a downright respectable list. It really is. And it sucks because I don't get to shit on I yeah. only get to shit on Free Guy. Yeah. You didn't even really shit on it that hard. I know. Hmm. I'm really hoping she submits Respect. something. Respect. I'm hoping she submits something for 93 because I'll get to rip it apart. I forgot to say Mushhead's uh, average meta score was 73.1. Cool. Which is lower than mine. <laughs> Neat. Mm-hmm. You know? Just saying. <laughs> just saying, Mushhead. Next up is Adam. No list from Adam. Brand new baby. I don't fault him. Mm-hmm. Same with Kyle. Brand new baby. Two brand new babies in the group. Two brand new babies. No Can list. I submit the names Sam and Manny potentially for the two babies? I don't know if they're already taken. I don't know if they're already named or whatever. But, you know, <laughs> I just throwing that out there, guys, if you're listening. Just consider, for your consideration. Yeah. And last, definitely not least, is my favorite punching bag. <laughs> Rachel. Mm-hmm. With the lowest meta score of everybody, 71.6. But hey, like maybe maybe there's some hidden gems in there. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> Number 10. In the running for my most hated film of the year. In the running. Might not win, but in the running. Nominated for Best Picture this year by the Academy. Don't look up. Really? Okay. Not a fan. Yeah, I gave it a three. I gave it a two. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> How does moments? Rachel. Come on. Her number nine film. I like it. It's an honorable mention. The harder they fall. Hmm. Okay. 
One of her boyfriends is in this movie. Who is? God damn it. I can see his face. He is the new black James Bond. Idris Elba? Thank you. Except he's not. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Number eight. A movie you and I both wish we'd watched. Pig. Yeah, fuck. I'm still going to make an effort to watch that. I especially want to watch a couple of Nicolas Cage movies before The Unbearable Weight of Great Talent comes out. Or The Unbearable Weight of something talent. I can't remember. Yeah, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. It looks fun. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. I'm really excited My for only concern is, are all the best movies in the trailer? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, that's my only concern. Because the trailer makes this look like it could be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But is that all they got? Incredible talent? Is that I it? I can't remember. Can't be. There's, that's two Incredibles. Unbearable and Incredible. The okay. Unbearable Weight, I think. All right. Number seven. A cinematic hole for Samuel. Flea. Massive talent. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Mm. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, Flea. Need to watch it. Her number six film. Incanto. Respect. Yeah. From both of us. Rachel. Yeah. This list is really good. <laughs> You're not making this easy on me. Because your number five film is a good movie. It's called Belfast. That is a great movie. Yeah. Highest besides me, as far yeah. as I know. Yeah. And we continue on. Because she has perfect placement with her next movie at number four, King Richard. <laughs> what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Rachel. This is no fun if I can't shit on you. Something tells me you're building this up. Not really. Oh, shit. Because her number three film, way too high, but this will come as no shock that this is this high for Rachel if you know her. Mm-hmm. And two, this movie was way better than I thought it was going to be. Hmm. I actually had no desire to watch this. And then I ended up watching it with Maya. And I was like, this is actually really fucking good. And that movie is Cruella. Yeah, I, I that movie's really good. Yeah, I think uh, Emma watched that movie uh, without me. I think I was just like, I don't have any desire to watch it. And I've heard it's actually really good for a number of sources, and I'm regretting missing out on it. I regret my preconceived notions of it. Hmm. Emma Stone's really good in it. Number two. I always forget that she loved this movie this much for it to be number two. The Last Duel. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Fuck. Yeah. Another one I have that's firmly on the watch list. Yeah. Which leaves us with our number one movie. Which I'm pretty sure I already know what it is. And may I just say. Okay. I, I feel like this is perfect placement. I hope. No. Oh, really? It didn't even make the list? It's super perfect placement. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> you got me so good. Your number one you movie. got me. Is Coda. That wasn't fake. That was, <laughs> I'm so gullible. Your, <laughs> I'm so your gullible. disappointment yeah. was delightful for me. God damn it. All right. Perfect placement. So that is perfect placement. So Rachel, I'm actually going to applaud you for a. V- I was gonna say very good, a a a good list. The hey, fact that she's the only one who got Coda right. So that is true, which elevates it. But she also has Don't Look Up on there, a movie I did not like. I, in fact, hated. Mm. But that's the only one I didn't really like. Okay. Cool, Rachel. Also, I'm, also- I'm, I'm, I'm. You did a good job. Those respectable lists. All the above, by the way. Round of applause for PFGs. And remember, even if your list got roasted, you're still ahead of the people who didn't submit them. Yeah. Fuck those guys. Yeah. 
And if applicable, their noses as well. (laughs) Only two of them. (laughs) So here are the top 10 movies according to the PFGs. Now, I'm going to list 10 through 6 in order. The top five are the five best picture nominees from the PFGs, and we will reveal the winner next week so these are conglomerated together based on the picks of everybody all the pfgs that we just listed all the lists that we just listed and they are scored on a system that manny has invented and plays pretty close to the chest the 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 internal workings of this are not known to the common man or woman correct and they they will die with manny in all likelihood pretty much so or if somebody logs into my google sheets that also would be a thing all right so i'm gonna really like i said i'm going to reveal 10 through 6 in order and then the top five will be revealed alphabetically as the five best picture nominees okay number 10 tick tick boom maybe i should maybe i should copy this down you want to copy this down okay let's let's go all right so tick tick boom i'm happy to see it on this list i won't lie makes me want to rewatch it Mm -hmm. right number nine sad it didn't make the best picture list west side story Side story. Number eight. Ryan the Last Dragon. So far, there's two on here that I need to watch. Up that another one. Number seven is King Richard. Yep, definitely. You might want to add this one as well. Oh, boy. Number six is The Last Duel. Which leads us to our five best picture nominees for the pfgs they are belfast yes bo burnham inside coda fantastic so far dune oh my god spider-man no way that's literally my top five (laughs) (laughs) that is my top five that's incredible (coughs) yes let's go those are the five best picture nominees by the pfgs we will reveal the winner next week at the sambas fantastic i I love the hype i am i'm already very excited for it yes now before we sign off here we have a couple things the annual tradition of our most anticipated film Mm -hmm. sam's most anticipated film in 2019 was avengers endgame as was mine. Yeah. Our most anticipated film for 2020 and 2021 were Dune. Yeah. Sam, what's your most anticipated movie for 2022? Uh, with just a cursory glance yes. at the movies that are coming out this year. Yeah. I got very excited at one. Okay. I got very excited at one, and I'm surprised at myself that this is the one that I chose, but goddamn, I'm going with it. Don't worry, darling. Olivia Wilde's sophomore effort <gasps> with Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. Apparently, it is a psychological thriller. Yeah. So, if you have been living under a rock or not listening to Manny and I's podcast episodes uh, at all, there's this movie called Booksmart oh that God. Manny and I are in love with. Sam, in love with. I think this is going to be my all-time top 20 now. Booksmart is? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Olivia Wilde's second movie is coming out this year. And it has 
none other than our our new favorite superstar on the planet, arguably, between the two of us. Mm -hmm. Florence Pugh is going to be in this fucking movie in a psychological thriller with Harry Styles. This is going to be, hopefully, an insanely good movie. Yeah. I'm very, very excited for it. (coughs) My most anticipated film... I'm going to mention three films hmm. and then reveal my winner. Okay, let's Because go. these were the ones I had to choose between. I'm shocked that this one is actually on my most anticipated, but I would be lying if it's not. And that's Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I mean, the this has looked really good, actually, in the yeah. trailers. Again, it's playing to my nostalgia. And I'm not even a Top Gun fan, but that fucking trailer is fucking good. Is Tom Cruise actually flying that jet? It looks like it, doesn't it? looks it? like he is. Yeah. yeah. But he's not. Okay. Next up is the sequel to my favorite film of 2018. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Okay. There's another sequel coming out this year that I'm excited for. But I There's don't another sequel that. to a movie I love. The reason that this is on my most anticipated list, it's not my most anticipated, but I need to mention it. I'm very intrigued to see where they go with this. Mm. And that's Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Ah, I didn't think that's where you were going. There's another sequel that I wanted to draw attention to, but this we'll, we'll go there. last one is my most anticipated film because I need to know what the big deal is. Is this going to be able to follow up to the incredible first one? My most anticipated film of 2022 is Avatar 2. Ah, okay. That's actually that's a really good pick. That's a good pick. I every time I I doubt James Cameron, he puts out Titanic and then he puts out Avatar. Wow, you should really keep doubting James Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> because so, we keep getting great movies because of it. This movie has been like I wish I could if I had the time, it's far too fucking late. I would like to see when this originally was supposed to come out. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna say this has been pushed back at least five years, yeah. if not more. Yeah, a couple of times when it's been pushed back, James Cameron has said it's because the technology is not yet where it needs to be for his vision. Yeah. I'm really... Which I really have to respect. I do. I really have to respect that. Regardless of your opinion of the first Avatar. First Avatar is one of the most visually and technologically important movies in the history of film. Yes. The plot is okay. It's fine. Yeah. It was fine the first few times I watched it. Yeah. When it was Last of the Mohicans, Dances with Wolves, and The Last Samurai. The, the, the plot's a little a little trodden territory. Yeah. It's a little blah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I won't, I'm, I can't say I'm pumped for Avatar 2, but it's the one I'm the most looking forward to because I, I need to know. I need to know. Why? What? How? Everything. Who, what, when, where, why, how? Yeah. Which? The other thing we like to do is we try to predict what our number one movie will be. Now, in 2019, Sam predicted that his favorite movie of the year would be Toy Story 4. Incorrect. Ended up being Avengers Endgame. My prediction that year was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Also incorrect. Ended up being Avengers Endgame. In 2020, Sam predicted Dune would be his favorite movie. Mostly (laughs) as wrong as I could have possibly been because it didn't even come out that year. Ended up being Palm Springs. I predicted Mank. Palm Springs. Sam, do you remember what you predicted last year? 
was my favorite for this year. <coughs> yeah, but you s- predicted you you gave you you gave two, and we allowed two because we weren't sure if it was going to come out. I think Dune was one of them. Yes. Yeah. The other one, I don't even think you saw. Oh yeah, um, uh, yeah. Last night in Soho. Nope. Um, the other one by uh, Taylor Sheridan. Yes, which, those who wish me dead. Yeah, there you go. Still haven't seen it. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. I I think after your, your review for it and some of the reviews for it that I saw, I it fell down my priority list. Let's put it that it's way. It's nowhere near as good as his other movies, like Wind River. Like Wind River. <laughs> it's still good. I I would have loved if it had made your top ten. But I would have been shocked if it had made your top ten. Fair. But I think I still think you'd like it mm-hmm. because it does some pretty cool things. I predicted Dune, and my backup was the Eternals. No, no. I gave Eternals a three. I I don't think it's a three. Eternal. I gave it a four. You had a four? I sure did. No. Yeah, I did. I liked it. I need to rewatch it. Yeah. I don't think it's a four, man. I don't know. Okay. Maybe maybe it is for you. But I didn't hate it. But I, I bet you'll drop to a three if I watch it again. It's visually superb, and it's lucky that it That's is. That's the other movie you're talking about that was visually good. Yeah, that was the other one I was referencing. That two of the MCU movies that came out this year are arguably the two best looking MCU movies the that ever released. Is so well shot. It's gorgeous because it's directed by Oscar winner Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Uh, and it's lucky that it is because the rest of the movie is just not not on the same level. Interesting. Which leads us to now. Sam, what is going to be your favorite movie next year? I I don't know. <laughs> I never know, Manny. This is always a crap Well, obviously, shoot. we've never got it right. Yeah, we've never got it right. Uh, never... is, is it boring to say that it's going to be Don't Worry Darling? I have faith. Wow. I am believing in Olivia Wilde. I am saying she is the real deal. And I am believing in Florence Pugh. And I am putting faith in her. And this is going to be the real deal. And God, I hope that I'm right. I've been wrong. And I've been hurt so many times, Manny. It always hurts every time. But I, I'm choosing to believe. I'm taking... I was about to say I'm taking a risk. I'm not taking a risk. What I'm doing... Putting my faith in a filmmaker that I fucking love. Hmm. I'm choosing The Fablemans, which is Steven Spielberg's film coming out next year that is autobiographical. Hmm. So Steven doing a smaller film that means something to him. The last time I remember him doing that, the movie was called E.T. So, now, the small little film, E.T. Notorious well, it wasn't that, it was, What I mean by smaller is like, that wasn't a big budget film. No. It was a smaller film. Yeah. But um, it ended up becoming the highest grossing film of all time. At, at that time. time. At yeah. time it was. Uh, there's a movie that we didn't talk about for Anticipated or number one next year that I just want to throw out there. Another sequel. Uh, to, one that I'm very interested for. Uh, Knives Out 2. Is it is being released next year? As far as I know, it's listed as a 2022. Okay. On the list that I was looking at, uh, at least before we came on air, it was listed as 2022. Oh, okay. I do have I have my backup because it's not confirmed that it's a 2022 release. It might come out in 2023, but if it comes out in 2022, it's I'm changing my prediction to um, the Killer by David Fincher. Ah, uh, yeah, the Killer. What's that about? It's uh, a killer, obviously. I don't know what it's about. Oh, sweet. I love that. All I know is that two actors that I 
fucking love her in it. Michael Fassbender and Tilda Swinton. Well, that's interesting right there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right on. Yeah. There we go. So that wraps up our top 10 of 2020. Holy fuck. We have lost some steam. Yeah. And we are tired. Yeah. God damn. That was a, that's always a fun fucking episode. It is. It's always great. Sam, what's going on next week? Next week, we're going to be recapping the Oscars, and we're hopefully going to be sitting here celebrating Coda's big win. <laughs> uh, we're going to be recapping the Oscars, but even more than that, we're going to be doing our annual tradition of outdoing the Oscars and doing an even better award show than them. Uh, it's time for the fifth annual, I think I have that right, the fifth annual Sampas. Nice. Uh, the Sam and Manny Movie Podcast Awards, where we will be giving out awards for things like best picture uh as we established earlier uh we're also going to be giving out a lot of other fun awards we talk about some of the best villains of the year some of the best scenes of the year and basically everything else in between yep. so uh yeah it's a lot of fun it's always a ton of fun yeah i don't know if it's one of our more popular episodes but it's always one of the fun ones to do yeah it's definitely a one for us <laughs> yeah 100 <laughs> percent. it's one for us one for them right yeah uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. It gives us a five-star rating or a positive review. It does increase the profile of our podcast. allows more people to find us. You can also rate us now on Spotify. We would love it if you just took a couple seconds. Give us a five-star review as it will bump up our profile, allow more people to find us on that platform as well. You can follow us on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can also follow us on Letterboxd. I'm Manny42 and Sam is Sam Reimer, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so. Awesome. You can email us at sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. Want to give a big thank you just before we sign off, which we forgot to. A big thank you, especially to our PFGs, um, Jordan, Wes, uh, Mushhead, and Rachel. Thank you so much for submitting the list. It means a lot to Sam and I. It really does. It adds a lot to, uh, to this episode. It's really fun seeing other people's opinions as well. I love um, – Sam and I go in blind, for those that don't know. We don't know each other's list when we go in. No. That's what makes it fun. And seeing everybody else's list just adds to it, and then it does allow me to play around with a little bit of statistics and stuff and build <laughs> up these lists um, for the group list and stuff like that. And it, it honestly – it takes a lot of courage to like know that you're going to take some ribbing in your yeah. decision-making and submit the list anyway. I really appreciate all of you for, for some uh, – for subjecting yourself to our idiocy yeah i really do appreciate it and as much as i do like to make fun of you all it actually really does mean a lot that you guys are willing to participate in this fun little thing that we have going so mm -hmm. my true heartfelt thank you to each and every one of you to the pfgs I, I love all of you guys and girls so very much so for the samuel Manuel movie podcast i'm manny Manuel. i love you lots i'm sam reimer adios <laughs>